worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. All right, what a nice hot day out there if you're into heat. I used to be a heat guy. I I mean, I like the heat. I'm not going to complain about it. I just don't sit out in it like I used to. How about you? Where are you listening to the show? Where are you listening from today is how I should put it. Man, Colin left his brain in the control room, and like you and I, Colson, we just can't. Yeah, There's something about the aura of this control room today. Lounge. I was, I was starting to call the person for the next segment. Yeah, yeah. Lounge left his brain here. I'm Michael Ball. That's uh, Colson Schultz in for Sean Kleisinger, who will be in here tomorrow hosting the show along with Blaine Wyland because I'm going to take uh, a few days off in a row in the lead up to the big game on Sunday against Ottawa. 936-6262, the number to text. You can always call that number, 936-6262 or one 866 if you want to wait in, talk some sports, Major League Baseball trade deadline upon us. We'll get to that in a second. Some CFL news as always to tell you about. We got a loaded show. Glenn Suter, Coach Craig Dickinson, who missed our regular appointment on on Monday. Uh, we'll be here 5.05, to take your calls and texts. Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. Luke Molliner live in studio. We'll also hear from former Rough Rider Justin McKinnis with the BC Lions, Rams coach Mark McConkey, and uh, Don Hewitt, Heroes and Zeros. Uh, Huey's Heroes and Zeros. So we got a full show, but we're willing to fit you in. Uh, now, let's uh, go to our text right away here, brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. Now, crossover possibilities from Gord in Saskatoon. Is it possible that an East team could cross over for the first time to the West semifinal with the Riders and Stamps equal or lesser to Eastern teams now in the Win-loss records, a possibility exists. Losses by both or either riders or stamps this week would increase an Eastern team's chances. Cody in the West semifinal? Okay, let's hold on a second here. You're absolutely right, Gord. Uh, this we're, we're a good chunk into the season, and that does become a possibility. But I have a tough time believing Calgary won't be in the mix in the end. I'm not writing the Riders obituary just yet. We are three and four. We are seven games in. We're just getting healthy people back. Uh, I have the Riders winning on Sunday. I know we're a long way out. Anything can happen between now and the end of the week. But I have the Riders winning on Sunday. So if you have the Riders winning on Sunday, they're four and four, and Ottawa drops to three and five. So it's big in that sense, and just big in the sense of maybe giving yourself some breathing room between yourself, Calgary, and of course, well, you got a lot of breathing room. Uh, with Edmonton behind you, because Edmonton's not only three games. Everybody's talking, well, if Edmonton wins a few games, they're in a playoff spot. Well, yeah, but that's A, not going to happen, and B, if it did, they're still uh, behind the Riders in the uh, season series. So uh, the Riders are basically three and a half games up on Edmonton, if you want to use the baseball um, formula for, uh, you know, 
wild card winners and division winners. So yeah, th- there's a possibility there could be a crossover, but we're a long way from that. So that's our first text out of the gate from Gord Strom in Saskatoon, 936-6262. Our text line powered by the Capital Auto Group. Um, the show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups bringing Saskatchewan communities together. I mentioned the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Justin Verlander traded from the New York Mets to Houston. New York will receive outfield prospects Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford from the Strohs. The Mets will also pay $54 million of Verlander's remaining contract. They tried to buy themselves a championship and realized we can't do that. So now they're selling pieces off. Verlander goes back to the Strohs. Chance to win another World Series. Um, the Padres were also a team trying Trying to acquire much talent in the offseason at the end of last year, trading for Soto. Well, people were wondering, are they going to sell or are they going to continue to buy? They're five, about five out of a wild card spot right now. They've been underwhelming as well. But they did acquire left-handed uh, pitcher Rich Hill, the oldest guy in Major League Baseball at 43, and first baseman G-Man Choi from the Pirates, Uh Hill is uh, 7 and 10 this season with a 4.76 ERA and 22 starts, but he can eat up a lot of um, innings. The other guy, Choi, had an Achilles issue, but uh, since he's coming uh, back to the lineup for the Pirates, he's been hitting pretty well. So the uh, Padres give up three prospects for that. They're in a win now mode. They want to win this year or next year or the following year with those uh, big uh, star contracts on their payroll. The Toronto Blue Jays in the news, they acquired shortstop Paul DeYoung and cash considerations from the Cardinals for a prospect. So they trade once again with the Cardinals. They had picked up... uh, uh, I think Hicks is his name. He was a right-handed uh, reliever from the Cardinals, and now they get the infielder, DeYoung. Speaking of the Blue Jays, they announced uh, that their all-star shortstop and the AL batting leader, Bo Bichette, is considered day-to-day after an MRI revealed no significant structural damage in his right knee. He was hurt yesterday. He uh, singled, was rounding the base, going for second, realized the ball was coming in pretty hot, so he stopped the turn back grabs his knee, stops running, gets tagged out, leaves the game. So the Jays lost that game to the Orioles 4-2. They play them again tonight at the Rogers Center, but a bigger concern was Bo Bichette. But as we're told, no real structural damage. Uh, Another guy that didn't have structural damage but had a left knee injury was Vernon Adams Jr. He is not going to play this week again against Winnipeg in the short week. The uh, former Tiger Cat quarterback Dane Evans gets his second straight start at quarterback for the BC Lions. American linebacker Darnell Sankey, who set a rough rider tackling record last year with 120, then didn't resign with the team because he wanted to go to the XFL, which would, in his mind, increase his chances of going to the NFL. Well, he has been released out of his XFL contract, and he plans to come north of the border if a team does not pick him up uh, later this month. He's going to wait it out to the midway point of the NFL preseason to see if teams run into injury problems or decide to bring him in for a workout. If it doesn't materialize, he plans to come back to the CFL. Not sure the Rough Riders would be in on that uh, because their linebacking core has been pretty good and they've got a couple of guys on the practice roster and um, they need linemen. They need more line help on both sides than the linebacking core. So stay tuned. Apparently a couple of teams have already reached out to Sankey. The top graded players according to Pro Football Focus from your Saskatchewan Rough Riders from last week, Sean Bain Jr., who graded out at the 78. He was the top graded 
receiver and the top-graded special teams player, Charbel DeBeer, at 90.1. So a couple of accolades there for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They'll be back on the practice field tomorrow getting set for that game on Sunday against the 3-4 and four Ottawa Red Blacks. How about we do this right now? At 936-6262, just ahead of our next guest, we have Pick the Score, right? We have a Pick the Score. So why don't you call right now? 936-6262. Here's the rules. You can't have won in the last 90 days. You call in, you pick the score. You just pick a score. If it hasn't been picked before, we write it down. And then you automatically win tickets to Sunday's game versus Ottawa. And then if you are accurate in your prediction... We pick you, you get a $200 gift card to Sastel and a chance next year to sit in a luxurious suite with three others to watch a Rough Rider game. Just pick one on the fly there, if you can pull it up there, Colson. Um, hello, the sports cage, who's this? Hello, Ballsy. Yeah, who's this? This is Parker Campbell, your buddy, N.O.D. Parker Campbell, N.O.D. Parker, when's the last time you won on the station, bud? It has been a while. It was probably with Gloria, probably and Cody, probably about three or four months ago. Actually, I won tickets to Craven. Okay, but but that was like within ninety days. Like you haven't won in a while. Is what I'm getting at. No, Parker. I no, it's been a while, bud. Okay, bud. Yeah, I'm an NOD guy, but I'm not NOD. I'm actually uh, East Southeast OD now in White City, but my heart's still up in North Regina. No doubt about it. That's where the that's the backbone of our town right there. NOD, absolutely, Parker. So Parker, first of all. Uh, how are you feeling about your Who should the quarterback be going forward? Let's whip up a quarterback controversy. Everybody else is. I think you got to give Jake Delgado a chance, man. I, even in the preseason, I thought he looked good. Okay, I'm not against Jake, but uh, Mason hasn't done anything to sit on the pine yet, no. though. I don't, I, that's what I agree. I, I think I think you got to start Mason just because you can't really kill his confidence like that yet. So mm-hmm. let's give him another shot. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling good about our boys. We just got to play a full game. Yeah, I I agree. Tighten up some mistakes. That's what Tevin Jones told us on the show. Okay, Parker, with that in mind, this Sunday, who do you got? Riders uh, or Ottawa? What's the score going to be? Let's go 29-24 for the Riders. I'm there picking them to lose. 29-24 for the Riders. I love the optimism. I think that's a very valid score. I think we'll both agree, though, Parker, that it's a must-win for the Riders and a must-win for Mason Fine. Like, he needs to win one as a quarterback. 100% agree with you there, buddy. And we're going to win. I think we are. I think we're going to win the next two. I got us beating Ottawa and Montreal. Everybody says we're circling the drain. We might not win another game. I see at least five wins on the roster, like on the docket for this team, the way it sits right now. Like I think we can win five games, if not six. Like I, I predicted nine and nine at the start of the year, Parker. I don't know about you, but I think we still could get there. Uh, yeah, I, I was exactly the same. But I said maybe ten. But if we're nine and nine, sneaking the playoffs, anything can happen, right? Anything. Uh, yeah, you've watched a lot of CFL football, Parker. Okay, man, uh, hang on the phone. My buddy Colson will get all your information because we need that. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're going to be going to see the game. So we'll uh, just hang on the phone for me, okay? Uh, when we come back, we've got uh, Justin McKinnis, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider receiver, now excelling for the British Columbia Lions. We'll get to that and uh, much, much more in a moment here on the sports cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the show. Michael Ball here at the corner of 12th and Rose on a steamy hot Tuesday afternoon in Canada's Queen City. Just had Parker on the phone, picked the score 29-24. He's got the 
Ottawa Red Blacks losing to your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A battle of three and four teams. I kind of briefly touched on this yesterday. Here's my power rankings. I got Toronto at number one. I, I think there's no doubt about that. They're a big physical team. Uh, they can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. Uh, Toronto's number one. The BC Lions have the best defense in the Canadian Football League, and they've got a powerful offense if they can get on the same page and so consistently. So the BC Lions are number two. Number three, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, still a good, solid football team. They're beatable, but they're still a good, solid football team. At number four, uh, Montreal Alouettes. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're not overly flashy, but they've played pretty solid. Cody uh, hasn't hurt his team. He hasn't been uh, dynamic, but he's definitely the comeback player of the year early on in the CFL. Um, I think I would say... Uh, just hold on. I'm going to take that thought and put it off to the side and tie it into this next segment. But anyway, I got Montreal at four. I got the a lot of people have Calgary higher, but I've got uh, I've got uh, so I've got Toronto, BC, Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, Montreal. I got Ottawa next. I've got Saskatchewan after Ottawa. Because uh, Ottawa had uh, played pretty soundly in two victories over, you know, coming back and 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 going toe to toe with Winnipeg and Calgary on the road, never easy to win despite their record. They kind of stubbed their toe against Hamilton. Then I've got Calgary. Uh, they they're playing hard. They still got some talent on that roster. I still think they'll get it figured out by the end of the year. Certainly not twelve and six like their old play by play voice Mark Steven used to say or said earlier this year. Um, I got Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton, and then I've got uh, the Edmonton Elks. So there you go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yep. So Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, Montreal, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Hamilton, and Edmonton. Uh, okay, so this next guest, I don't know if I'd call him comeback player, but he is he is coming into his own. I think that's a better way of putting it. So Cody'd be my comeback player. Justin McKinnis, formerly of the Rough Riders, now the BC Lions, would be my coming into his own player of the year so far. Welcome to the show, Justin. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Man, What's uh, what's been going right for you this year? Uh, just a whole bunch of things. Just putting a lot of work this offseason. Um, you know, just a really good fit into this system, I feel like. You know, they're giving me a lot of opportunities to go out and make plays that I uh, felt I've always been capable of making, and uh, yeah, just really enjoying being out here. You you were kind of coming into your own with the Rough Riders, though. I thought I thought you were starting to maybe kind of figure it out and hit your stride with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at the end of last year. Did you feel that way? Yeah, um, I mean, kind of, sorta. I mean, I I always felt like there was more I could have been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some opportunities left on the table, but um, yeah, you know, like. That was, that was my third season playing, and I just felt like, you know, under the system, I finally really got it. Um, you know, and it, again, it was just uh, just one of those things that the timing started to work out, and, you know, you really started me starting to emerge towards the end of the year last year, and I uh, just carried that into this year. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. Um, like, was it about year three? Like you just mentioned, the game started to slow down for you. You knew how to be a pro and everything like that. Because you've always had talent. Obviously, you were drafted high. But you just got to figure the pro game out, right? Well, yeah, you got to figure the pro game out. And you, you got to stay healthy. Um, I was very – I kept getting injured a bunch. You know, even last season, I still had injuries that I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but again, yeah, yeah. When you first come into the league, it's definitely tough to to come in and pick up everything all at once. You know, especially coming from the American game to the Canadian game. You know, it's tough to adjust. But you know, start things did start to slow down and start to make it a lot easier. What are you liking about? And of course, you went to Vancouver. You went out to BC. Be closer to family, right? Wasn't your daughter out in the in the BC area? So that we we forget sometimes that these guys aren't robots. They're actually human beings. So you probably have a peace of mind off the field too. No, I don't. I don't have anyone out here. It's oh, just, I thought you did. I thought you did. I'm sorry. I thought you did. I apologize. But but, but so no, you're fine. so. What was attractive? What was attractive for you to go out to British Columbia then? Um, just you know, they they called me and were very excited about me um, to bring me in to give me an opportunity to to compete. You know, for a starting job and just to do a bunch of things. Um, and to me, that's what it really came down to was the fact of how interested they were in me. Um, and how excited they were in trying to get me to come here. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all I really wanted. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to feel like a, like a priority. I wanted to feel like I was wanted where I was at. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was BC gave me that best feeling, definitely moving into the offseason last year. Tell you what, though, you fit in nicely there, man. High point in the football. Uh, just talk about that art form, going up and winning. We call it 50-50 balls, but I think when you're a receiver, you you more think it's probably 80-20-90-10 in your favor. Just talk about that, Justin, because you're pretty good at that. Yeah, um, you're exactly right. We definitely think of it as higher than 50-50. Um, but it's something that in our receiver room we we talk about a bunch. You know, we we expect each other to make those kind of plays, and uh, you know, we always kind of brag to each other and kind of compete against each other and making the tough contested catches of uh, of course because that's something that you know we've always wanted to do. You know, you always see that stuff on TV, and it's something exciting. Um, but yeah, no, that's something I've been doing since college. You know, it's always been my sort of specialty mm-hmm. was to make the contested catches and the tough ones. Um, and again, I just needed an opportunity, and I feel like you know they love to give me the chances here now to really just go up and make those types of plays. What are you uh, What are you picking up from guys like uh, Rhymes and uh, Hatcher and those kind of guys? Again, just the same thing. That competitive nature. These guys, they come to work um, every single day, and you know they're they're straight up, honest with you, and they'll they'll keep it straight with you. You know, and you need to pick it up, and when you need to, when you're doing a great job, they're always there to pick you up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, just a great group, fun group to be around on and off the field. You know, a very close group. You know, we all enjoy being in uh, each other's presence, you know, both on and off the field. Yeah, talk about that because it does seem like the BC Lions on both sides of the ball are having fun. They, they enjoy going to the uh, ballpark. Uh, who, who's uh, who's responsible for that? Is it a coaching uh, uh, culture type of thing or, or is it just uh, they just got a bunch of good dudes in one locker room? That it's exactly that. Um, it's the entire team. Um, no one's isolated from anyone. I, that's what I love about being here. Is you know, there's no really closed off groups. Everyone gets along with everyone. You know, you'll go out to dinner with any group all across the board. Kickers with O line, D line, and it doesn't matter. Whoever shows up is there, and it's always a good, fun, enjoyable time. And it's contagious. You know, it's in the locker room every day when you show up, and you know, it's an exciting place to wake up and go work every day. Yeah. and compete against each other. Hey, uh, Justin McKinnis, did you have any goals coming into this year personally for yourself? I know you'll say win a Grey Cup. Everybody does, and that's a great goal. That's the ultimate goal. But what was your personal goal coming in, or goals? Honestly, my, my biggest personal goal was to get through this year mm. um, 100% healthy and, of course, to have my, my best year yet. 
um, because I felt like uh, there's a lot more I've always could have been doing or mm-hmm. or should have been doing. But again, you know, it comes with being healthy. So I just really wanted to stay healthy. You know, I mean, my my baseline number was I wanted to get 500 yards. You know, things like that. Just personal goals. But um, you know, just again, be healthy because that's the biggest thing. You know, that's how you have a long career is if you can stay healthy and. This is something I want to do until I can't anymore. And, you know, the longer I can stay healthy, the longer I can do it. A uh, couple more quick questions for you. It's a short It's a short week in terms of a going to uh, to Winnipeg after winning in Edmonton. Uh, I don't think the Bombers have gotten over. They can't believe you guys went in there and mashed them 30-6 to six the last time. What's your mentality going in here? That must give you a shot of confidence going into tough IG field to play. Absolutely, but, but never too confident, always humble. Um you know, it's a short week again. It's tough. The guys banged up, but you know, I, of course, we're super confident. That's kind of our our motto over here. You know, confident by nature. We always just keep going. You know, we we know we got a great group of guys. We go to work with them every day, um, and we're super close. So we know that the person next to us is going to give us 100%, just like we'll all do for each other. Um, so again, you know, we we expect uh, the same type of outcome going in this week. You uh, receivers, I know you you go by the motto a lot of times, look good, feel good, play good. Which uh, which uni do you like? Do you like the gray fog roads or do you like the black? Me personally, I'm with, I like the black. The black is just clean, simple. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. Yeah, I love the black. That's awesome. Hey, Justin, thanks for your time, man. It was a pleasure watching you in Rider Nation and uh, really uh, happy for you excelling in BC. Good luck against the Bombers because, as you know, in Saskatchewan, we hate Winnipeg. So I, I'm i cheering for the BC Lions <laughs> on Thursday, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. Take care, man. That's Justin McKinnis, great receiver, uh, number 18 for the British Columbia Lions. We will take a break and be back with more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And it's the uh, sports ticker now, and we'll tell you the Major League Baseball trade deadline uh, today. Justin Verlander going back to Houston, traded from the Mets. New York will receive outfield prospects Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford from the Astros. Mets will also pay $54 million of Verlander's remaining contract. Blue Jays acquired shortstop Paul DeYoung and cash considerations from the Cardinals in exchange for a prospect. And the Padres are still buying, even though they're out of the playoffs and have miserably underachieved. They Still think they got a chance. They've acquired left-hander Drew. Uh, pardon me, uh, left-hander Rich Hill, forty-three-year-old, and first baseman G-Man Choi for three prospects. Blue Jays also announced that Bo Bichette, who tweaked his knee yesterday, has no structural damage in that right knee, and he is out day to day. And American linebacker Darnell Sankey's been granted his release from the XFL, and if he doesn't catch on by mid-month with an NFL team in training camp, he's coming back north of the border. And that's your sports tip. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right. So let's uh, get to some text before we get to the Rams coach, Mark McConkie, one of my favorites in football. Text line powered by the Capital Auto Group shows brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and rec groups in the province. Uh, this one from James. Quote, another show in this city, I didn't know there was one, already predicts the Elks, Ticats, and Riders probably won't make the playoffs. It's fueled by a former Canadian University quarterback who never took the snap in the CFL. 
Fine, given a grade D on the other show. I seldom listen. Uh, listen, go sports cage. My buddy, Professor Hewitt, always a wealth of knowledge. Well, um, it's a little early to, uh, to be predicting who's going to be in the playoffs. Um, it's also a little early to... Um, how do I put this? Media types aren't qualified unless they're played in the... Like, if Matt Dunnigan tells me a quarterback sucks, or Matt Dunnigan tells me that he doesn't have the it factor, then I'm going to listen to Matt Dunnigan because he played football in the Canadian Football League, okay? If a schmo like me or some other guy that just writes stuff or has never played a down of football, and I have played football, actually, so I'm... I'll say better than some, but I know more than some, and I've coached. Um, if they say a guy sucks or pull him or he's an idiot or fire him or get rid of all the coaches if they don't make a coaching, uh, a quarterback change, you're not qualified to do that. You are not qualified to tell them what to do, okay? You can make a comment. They should, but come on. They get out of here. Um, this from uh, Brad, Mister Ball, with all the talk about who should now be our quarterback. What's the latest update on QB one Harris? Seems like we haven't had an update for over two weeks. Is he healing? Is he having complications? Is there any chance he comes back? What are you hearing? For what it's worth, I say stick with fine. They gave him the keys. Now they got to let him drive. Hundred percent, Brad. I agree. Unless he throws five interceptions, which is the equivalent of the wheels falling off the wagon or driving into a tree or into a ditch, I say let him keep going. I have confidence in him, and he got better from week to week. Uh, Trevor Harris, I texted back and forth with him. He said he's taking it a day at a time, slow but sure. And I did talk to the Riders' medical staff, and I said, is there an opportunity for him to come back? And I was told that there – I thought maybe it's just to try to keep the, the hopes alive. But I was told, no, there is an outside shot. If everything lines up by the end of the year, Trevor Harris could be back with the Rough Riders, that's why they haven't ruled him out. Apparently, he had the same injury that Jeremiah Masoli suffered here in um, Saskatchewan last July when he was hit with by Marino. Now, you'll say, well, that took Masoli a whole... Look how long it took Masoli. You're right. But he got complications. He should have been back a lot sooner, but it was a whole year because he got infection. He had infection and complications and setbacks. Right now, I haven't heard of any of that with Trevor Harris. So, uh, knock on wood, Trevor will come back. I think, no disrespect to Mason, find Jake Dolagala, whoever. But if QB1 was playing right now, and we were getting healthier, this league is wide open. This league is wide open. Yes, Toronto and BC are the teams, but the Riders hung with both those teams, and the games were a lot closer than a 10 and an 18-point deficit, okay? And you can hate on the Riders all you want. If you want to look at it, objectively and not through green and white glasses it was a lot closer than it looked let's head out on the western pizza hotline and speak to our patient guest mark mcconkey hi mark how you doing i'm good thanks for having me yeah thanks thanks for being on another training camp upon us how excited are you yeah we're excited it's uh it's here it's a long off season we all know that and uh yeah we're starting about a week here so we're uh getting excited gearing up here so tell us about the team let's start in the uh, quarterback room what's it look like yeah, it's going to be good. Obviously, it's nice to have a returning quarterback. I know we've had a few years in a row where we've had a few uh, different guys in that position. So Noah Pelchet is back, and I know he was at Ryder Camp and learned a lot, and he's really matured, and he's really grasping our offense a little bit better. And just the game slows down, as every player. I mean, 
I heard you talking about how good you were as a player, and it's true. I'll have to send your highlights in Palsy from the Rams, but <laughs> you know how it works, right? The more you play, the more the game slows down a little bit. So he's really been looking good. He had a good spring camp, good offseason for us. So we're excited to see him, what he can do at the helm uh, for us as we head into the 23 season. I think your radio's broken, Mark. You were good. I just played, but I did play. That's all I was trying to say. No, you were a great <laughs> receiver when you played with the Rams. So let's uh, talk about that, though. What do you want to see from him because we talk about Mason Fine getting better. He was great week two. Like, not, well, he was pretty good. He outplayed Kelly. He was better in week two than his first week starting. In terms of Pelche, what do you want to see here his second year behind center that maybe you didn't see last year? Yeah, uh, I think a big thing would just be to take a little bit more command of the offense, uh, take charge in the huddle, just kind of more leadership thing. And then just kind of working through his progressions. Like, instead of, because as a first-year guy, right, you're swimming, a lot, everything's moving fast. But really to slow down the game and really be like, okay, like if I get this coverage, I can work two progression, two, three to the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he just got a little bit locked in on number one guy. But again, I thought he did well for a first year guy. We threw a lot at him, but now we're, we're pushing him a little bit more offensively on what he can do and what we're going to be able to do uh, in our offense. So just do that and make the right reads and make the right throws. And we know he's got the talent for it. So we're, we're excited. I think we got good, good stuff in for him to be successful. And now we'll see how he, uh, how camp goes. Well, you're only as good as your offensive line. you got to have guys that can block. What's that looking like this year? Really good. Um, it, honestly, it's probably one of the first times it's, I think, our strength of our offense. I think, I really oh, wow. think it is. And obviously, you got to give a lot of credit to Brett Jones. He's been training our guys, working out with them uh, for over a year now, for about 16 months now. So a lot of credit to, to Brett Jones and Roe. And we've revamped our run game a little bit, put in a few concepts and obviously Brett's been taking a lot of the lead on that him and Dwayne Mason and uh, yeah I mean I don't want to give out too much information but we're we're excited at spring camp it was definitely the strength of our team and uh, it hasn't been that way for a long time so we're we're really excited about our what our big guys can do hey wait a minute McConkie wait a minute do I have to blame you everybody's asking me why Brett Jones is in peak physical condition why is he not playing football why can't we get him on the riders is it because you've got him locked into this lucrative multi-year deal as a coach with the Rams or what I wish. No, I wish. <laughs> I, uh, I'll make up a lie just to appease the Ryder fans. We're, we're trying to appeal to get him a fifth year of eligibility, so he wants to play one more year at the Rams. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well, it's good, to, it's good, though. I mean, come on. Where do, you, where do you find a guy that played in the CFL at a high level, offensive lineman of the year, and then a great cup champ, and then went in the NFL, even starred in a Super Bowl commercial, for gosh sakes? Yeah, it's pretty pretty special. Again, that's just who he is, and he's a Saskatchewan guy from Weyburn. He's all about giving back to the community. And uh, and again, yeah, it, it's helping him stay in shape too, right, for when he decides to go play CFL, whatever the case may be. And Yeah, and our guys just love it. Like, they, they love him. He's just a great coach, smart guy, great person, just a great ambassador for the program. So we're lucky to have him. So the head coach of the U of R Rams, Mark McConkie. What about the receivers that your quarterback gets to throw to? What does that look like this year? Yeah, it's exciting. So we get, obviously, a couple guys back. Sean Mims is a starter. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a big name for us. Bennett Stusick's going into his last year. And a big-name guy that came from the Thunder, who was one of the best players in junior football, is Ryland Sokol. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's done a really good job all winter at spring camp with us. And he's just a big-body guy, and he's made some nice big catches. So he'll be looking to be a starting receiver. So we expect big things from those guys. And, obviously, Emmett Stedman's the starter from last year. He's just Mr. Consistent and... Uh, he's always doing the right thing, so he'll have another good year for us too. It's the defensive side of the ball where you you lost some guys. You know, you, it's hard to replace a Ford, a Varga, the White, those kind of guys. Well, Ford and Varga for sure. Tell us about the defense and how you plan to fill those holes. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that's gonna be a tough one for sure. When you lose lots of those guys, and even a guy that's super underrated and should have gotten all star but didn't because we had two other great D linemen as Garth knitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I think we had the best front seven in all of U sports, so it's gonna be hard to to mirror that again this year. But I know Coach Gray is uh, one of the smartest D coordinators out there. He's he's got a good plan in place to to plug some holes and have another successful defense. Obviously, it's going to be a bit of a step back when you lose those guys. I think we're a little bit stronger and got a little bit more depth in the back end, so we can rely a little bit more on our DBs and coverage to put them in tougher spots. So I know Coach Gray, is, again, he's a guy I trust, a guy who is really, really bright at what he does, and I know he'll put a good plan in place. But a little bit more, we got to score more points this year as an offense, and that's our challenge to our offensive guys. Our defense won us a lot of games last year. And now it's the offense turn to step up and put up some more points. Well, can you be our Can West reporter right now? Try to take a little bit of bias out, but uh, you leave a little in. Uh, how do you think your team stacks up in, in this conference? I mean, the Huskies are the two-time defending Hardy Cup champs. Uh, uh, UBC should be a little bit better. Where do you guys fit in? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, I think under the radar, like I don't think UVS. Obviously, you lose a guy like Mason Nias, who's. Yeah. Should have been a heck ride winner twice, but that's uh, between you and I. And mm-hmm. uh, you lose one of the best quarterbacks in U sports, so you're going to naturally have a bit of a regression. You just that's just how it is. We had no pick, and they had Nia, same thing. Yeah. So they're going to be they'll be up there, but I think I think UBC's uh, sneaky good. Uh, Coach Nell's got those two big tackles back who could have easily been in the CFL and be gone. So they came back, and I think UBC will be the team to beat. UBS, you got to give them their props. They're always up there. And, and after that, I think it's wide open, and it's Can West, right? We got voted last year, last game yeah. second. So you never really know, and when you look at the games, there's going to be a lot of one-score games out there, so we just got to find ways to win those games like we did last year. And you got to find the ways that, we've always said this, right, Mark, uh, even back when you were playing under Frank and Bernie, you got to win those home games. you got to win the majority of your home games to give yourself a chance to get into the playoffs, and you don't want to get behind the eight ball early. Like This is a hard, this is a very hard trophy to win. Very hard, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough conference. You, you beat up on each other for eight straight games, and you go into playoffs again in the cold, and it's uh, it's tough. There's no easy games. There's no games where you're pulling your starters and resting them at half like you get in some of the other conferences. So it's uh, it's a slugfest. But I wouldn't have it any other, any other way. All right. And lastly, uh, what do you want to what do you want to improve on as a head coach? Now you're starting to get a little bit more mature here. Uh, I think it's your second full year as the guy. You were interim before, but what what do you want to do better this year? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think I just want to be uh, just more present uh, during the games. I know I get sometimes caught up on the offensive side of the ball and uh, really dialed in with the quarterbacks. But again, I got smart guys. Actually, Josh Donnelly is coming on staff, so he's helping uh, in the pass game as our pass game coordinator and uh, lean on guys like Dwayne Mason and Ro Boardman a little bit more. So I don't have to be, I guess, essentially to say, be less of a control freak. And that's kind of what I am. And now it's time to not step back, but let our other guys empower other coaches and let them do their thing. And that's exactly what I've done on special teams and defense, and it's really worked. So try to empower some of our other coaches and let them uh, take some range for a little bit here. I think that's a great thing you brought up, and I'm just going to piggyback that for a second. Uh, I often wonder that when like a guy's a head coach and a D coordinator or a head coach and, and calls the plays, and not just in U sports, but I'm talking in, in pro sports, sometimes I think uh, it does. it's kind of split in hair sometimes, isn't it? It is. It's tough for sure. And you get so one-sided, worried about the offense. And uh, even when you're talking to the team, are you talking to the team as the offensive coordinator or as the head coach? And that's something that uh, again, a guy I look up to, Coach Deuce, that called me out on last year. He's like, why are you talking to the team as the OC? Like, talk as the head coach. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. So that's probably something, again, that I'm going to be working on this year is when I'm the head coach, I'm the head coach. And when I'm the OC, I'm the OC. Just try to really 
separate those and maybe I got to be become bipolar, but whatever it is, I got to figure it out. <laughs> well, that's a good way to put it. And it's a great, uh, great thing to recognize in, uh, in you. And uh, I think players respect that when you actually, uh, you know, you, you admit that you got to do something different and I think uh, they'll, they'll buy in more. Thanks for your time man. can't wait to, uh, to cover your games again this year. Okay. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's Mark McConkie, the head coach at the University of Regina Rams. And actually, I think tomorrow, well, soon we'll have a Rams announcement. We'll have a Rams announcement here on the sports cage, okay? That's all I could say. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be, but we do have something in the works. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk a little National Football League. Uh, training camp's well underway, and we love our NFL, too. Love our CFL, love our NFL, love our amateur game as well. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Tuesday show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. We're joined by CBSSports.com's Jordan DeJani. How are you today, Jordan? Hey, hey, what's going on? I'm doing well. Hope you are as well. Excited yeah. to talk some football with you. Yeah, some NFL football. Uh, and uh, training camps are upon us. And I was uh, perusing your article at cbssports.com backslash NFL and talking about uh, some of the teams with quote-unquote quarterback battles. Let's start in Indianapolis. Is that really a battle between Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm sure the Colts will tell you that, yes, it's a battle. But in reality, no, I don't think it's much of a position battle. I think Anthony Richardson, the number four overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, is going to trot out the offense in week one. I mean, there, there's a reason that the Colts drafted this guy. They wanted a franchise quarterback. Anthony Richardson arguably has the highest ceiling of any uh, rookie quarterback from this class. The thing is, he's a superb athlete, but he's not exactly that polished as, as a passer. So there's going to be some growing pains in Indianapolis, but I think the biggest thing to note is that Anthony Richardson is under the care of head coach Shane Steichen, who's been responsible, in my mind, mostly responsible for that surge that Jalen Hurts had with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2022. Shane Steichen also worked with Justin Herbert in his rookie season with the Chargers as well. So Anthony Richardson is in good hands. But there's going to be some growing pains when it comes to throwing the ball as an NFL quarterback. And it also hurts that your power back, Jonathan Taylor, wants out. Yeah, that hurts just a little bit, too. Uh, one of the best running backs in the NFL. His uh, situation is kind of in limbo right now. I know for a fact that Anthony Richardson would like him in the shotgun formation right next to him. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Baker Mayfield, after he was jettisoned from Cleveland, he's now ended up in Tampa Bay, and he's going up against Kyle Trask. What do you make of that one? Baker Mayfield's kind of an interesting story, right? I mean, it seems only a couple years ago that he was leading the Browns to their first playoff victory since forever, and now he's been on two teams or three teams in the past year or so, right? The Panthers, the Rams. Um, and now the Buccaneers. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of get his career back on solid footing. And, you know, he has a good opportunity here because I think that he should be in the lead for this starting quarterback job. Listen, Kyle Trask is is talented in his own right, but this is a guy who's only played in one NFL game in his two seasons in the NFL. He's got experience in the Buccaneers playbook. We all know that. But when it comes down to it, I think Baker Mayfield is just the better talent. So, 
this is another situation around the NFL. We're calling this a position battle, but I really do think that Baker Mayfield's going to win it. And what do you make of what's going on in Washington with Ron Rivera and the Commanders? Yeah, pretty interesting story here. And, you know, I actually wrote this for CBSSports.com. I think the better question is who finishes the year as the Commanders quarterback, not who starts it. Sam Howell, the second-year quarterback out of UNC, um, entered the offseason as QB1, and he's going through training camp as QB1 as well. To be honest with you, he's a fascinating story, and I think that he's really earned the opportunity to be the starting quarterback, even though, much like Kyle Trask, he's only played one NFL game. Um, it was an impressive start in the regular season finale against the Dallas Cowboys. He beat Dak Prescott by 20 points. So I wasn't in love with this kid as a draft prospect, but now I'm fully on board. I'm pretty intrigued by what he's going to do. And you take a step backward and look at, look at what he's working with, right? He's got Eric the enemy as an offensive coordinator, a great trio of wideouts with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. Washington has some pieces on offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Now, Jacoby Brissett, even though I predict he'll be QB2 entering the season, entering the season he's a guy who I think is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So if things go awry, things get a little quirky with Sam Howell as the starter, Jacoby Brissett is definitely a guy you want you want on your team waiting in the wings. Okay, Jordan, and the most interesting one, because they've got a really good team, but the question mark is the most important position, the quarterback spot. Brock Purdy versus Trey Lance versus Sam Darnold. Yeah, I've been with you. This is the real quarterback battle of the offseason, in my opinion. And a big reason why is because it's hard to get uh, it's hard to get a pulse on what exactly the 49ers think behind closed doors, right? I mean, Kyle Shanahan's talking about how Sam Darnold could be Steve Young. He thinks he has an amazing skill set. Uh, Trey Lance, of course, they gave up a, a two mm-hmm. future first-round picks to acquire with the number three overall pick a couple of seasons ago. He was the starter entering last season before he suffered that pretty serious ankle injury. And then you have Brock Purdy, the former Mr. Irrelevant, who stepped into the starting lineup as QB3 and led the 49 right up to the doorstep of the Super Bowl. So it's hard for me not to lean towards Brock Purdy if he's fully cleared medically. And by all indications, by all reports, he's been cleared and he's been throwing without any restrictions through the early stages of training camp. So he seems like the favorite in the clubhouse, in my opinion. Um, but again, it's hard to get a it's hard to get a pulse on what exactly the 49ers think about their three quarterbacks. I'm sure they have a high level of confidence in all of these signal callers. But I point back to a quote in the article where, where Kyle Shanahan said back in May that you know Brock Purdy's already done it. Right? He's proven that he can be a franchise quarterback. He's proven that he can step into the lineup at any given moment, any any given notice moment, whatever it is, and then step in and win games, win playoff games as well. So I'm looking at Brock Purdy to win that competition. Yeah, it's interesting. The Trey Lance part intrigues me. Like you said, they gave up a lot to get him. He really, because of injury or whatever, didn't get a chance to capitalize on his opportunity. So I don't even know if I could call him a bust yet. Yeah, it's really tough. And I actually talked about this in the article because, you know, we had that random report a couple months ago saying that the 49ers have fielded trade inquiries from several teams looking into Trey Lance. I'm sure that's true, but I'm also wondering if that's something where the 49ers put that information out there and if it's something that they'd be okay with parting ways with Trey Lance. But now that we're in training camp, it doesn't seem like a trade is on the horizon. It doesn't seem very likely at this point in the NFL calendar. But it may give you just a little bit of a glimpse into what the 49ers truly feel about Trey Lance. This is a guy with a lot of potential, an NFL arm, but he needs those reps. He needs to establish that consistency. He 
hasn't done a Jets yet, and that opened an offer for Brock Purdy to come in and run with his opportunity, and that's exactly what he did. Follow this guy on Twitter, at Jordan Dajani, D-A-J-A-N-I's at CBSSports.com. Thanks for your fine work and guesting with me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, Jordan Dejani, go follow him there um, at cbssports.com. Uh, some other things to get to, uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the big trade, Justin Verlander going from the Mets back to Houston, and uh, that's a big deal. He won a World Series with them. New York gets outfield prospects Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, plus the Mets will pay $54 million of his remaining contract. Blue Jays were busy once again. They got... Uh, I think it was uh, Jordan Hicks, the reliever from St. Louis, and now they acquired shortstop Paul DeYoung from St. Louis. And cash considerations, the Cardinals will get a prospect. And the Padres were busy today, too, acquiring veteran left-hander Rich Hill and first baseman G-Man Choi from the Pirates in exchange for Jackson Wolf outfielder Estuar Serrero and first baseman Alfonso Rivas. And the Jays also announced back to Toronto that Bo Bichette's considered day-to-day after an MRI revealed no significant structural damage to his right knee after he heard it on Monday. Uh, 9-3 Six sixty two sixty two. The number to text. Uh, you could also call that number. We got a uh, minute and a half. You want to call, uh, call in? Let me know how you think the game's going to go Sunday. What do you think of keeping Mason Fine as the quarterback? What do you think the record's going to be? I still see five. I still see five wins on this um, schedule for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, at least. I know people have said, oh, this is a horrible football team, and they're barely better than the Elks, and they barely beat the Elks, but I uh, I don't know. I see, like I said, I see uh, still some winnable games on this roster. Like, I, I, I have the Riders winning this game on Sunday, so I put the Riders at 4-4 four and four after this game, and uh, it's going to be a short weekend. It's never easy to, to win in Montreal, but it, if health holds up, I see the Riders 5-4 and four by the time they play the BC Lions before the bye week. So there's two wins right there. Something tells me the Riders are going to have a shocking Labor Day game and beat the Bombers, who are good, not great. So that, that gives me uh, six wins on the season. Uh, they'll beat Edmonton here, so that gives me seven wins on the season. I think they'll beat Ottawa there, so that gives me eight wins on the season. And I haven't beaten Montreal, uh, Hamilton here, so that gives me nine wins on this. Like, I got nine. So let's go one, two, three, four. Yeah, I got nine wins on the season. There's nine wins on the season. What do you think the Riders' record will be? Right now it sits at three and four. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. the number to text or call, or you can call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. When we come back, we'll speak with the professor, Don Hewitt. Heroes and zeros here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show. 936-6262. Keep the text coming. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests... Come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Go in there and ask them about their Rough Rider sweet deal and how you, when you make an order, can get in on a chance to go watch a game in a luxury suite courtesy of Western Pizza, a Rider game, that is. And the show is brought to you by 
Saskatchewan Lotteries, bringing communities together, helping build those communities up. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Just ahead of uh, the Professor Don Hewitt, I do want to read a text that I got. It's actually a tweet from right after the game. I never addressed this yesterday, but this is this is the part of the job that's uh, pretty interesting. Now, I, I got a piece of it, a little bit of this, uh, on the periphery uh, in the 19 years I was a part of the broadcast team because uh, a pre- and post-game show and, that, you know, you butt heads with callers and stuff like that, which at times I miss and a lot of times I don't miss. Um, but I got this one. The whole thing needs to be burned to the ground, including the radio announcer. Ballsy sucks. Way better as a morning show guy. Doesn't know football, so apparently I'm to blame. I, it's funny. I've I've been doing this now for a year and seven games, and I'm still waiting to get graded by the coaches. Like I'm still, I have not got a, I've still not got a grading sheet from the coaches. Like I did, I miss a block, a tackle. I was wide open in the end zone. I can't help it if Mason Fine didn't see me. I beat my man. Like what? <laughs> what? That's but it's funny. I've been told by all of them. Jeff Courier told me, you are going to be to blame for when the team loses. So uh, I've been warned. Anyway, let's uh, get to this, Colson, if you can hit that right there, and then we'll get to our guy if you can. This is Football 101, a look at CFL news and notes with the Professor Don Hewitt. Ah, yes, and uh, Huey, there was a text that came in, and uh, I'll uh, let – it's from Ken in Saskatoon, and we will get to that in a second. But first – Let's get the heroes and zeros, courtesy of our friend Don Hewitt. Huey, let's start with a zero. Give me one of your zeros. We do two and two. Give me one of your zeros. Okay, I'm going to give you a zero in just a sec, but I went through a lot with Jeff Courier because he was a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I witnessed that everything was his fault when Saskatchewan was losing. Yeah. Yes, it's true. But you know what? (laughs) What? The ultimate compliment is getting criticized or not being liked. Ask Wayne Gretzky's dad. Ask Sidney Crosby's dad. Ask anybody that's good at anything. People don't like you if you're any good at absolutely anything. If you dig a hole better than the next guy, somebody won't like you, right? (laughs) So consider it a compliment. That's all I got to say. Well, that's from the professor. I'm taking that to the bank. Thanks, professor. I knew I, I knew I knew, I knew I had you for a friend for a reason and also on my team here on the broadcast team. So let's get, let's get to a zero there, my buddy. Well, you're just getting me worked up about that. But anyway, (laughs) I guess I'll have to get to a zero. Well, let's stay with the social media angle uh, for zeros. The personal attacks on social media for everybody that's it seems like almost like a personal attack on players and coaches on the Rough Riders. I give you uh, the fattest zero that's that's possible. I mean, I don't even go on it because I can't stand reading some of it. A lot of my friends tell me what's being said. Uh, I know you have to tweet, Ballsy. That's your business. Uh, I don't. I don't. I haven't sent out a single tweet since training camp began because I just want to stay off of it, really. Uh, I mean, I think social media is about 70-30 to the bad. Some of it's garbage. But when the Rough Riders lose and people start attacking them personally as people, that absolutely sucks. And I can't stand it. And it's wrong. Everybody in that organization 
from top to bottom is trying their hardest, doing their best. They're good people. I know it's pro sports. You have to win in pro sports. That's the rule. If you're going to make your living playing a boys game, you got to win. It, but these are good people, and they don't deserve to be personally attacked. So to all of you folks, and the guy that even sent that, that silly tweet or whatever it was about Ballsy, you are a zero. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's funny, Don? Uh, there's something else here being in this job. People always ask me, what's it like to be in the job? But Colson just asked me, do you still pinch yourself? Uh, do you have any pinch me moments? And I did actually, Don. After this, after this game, and it wasn't anything to do with me. After this game, I get on that plane and I see how Mason Fine got his ass handed to him repeatedly, and I see guys walking yeah. on with uh, with ice bags on their arms and they're limping on. And and let's be honest here. Yes, they're playing a kids' game and they're getting paid for it, but they're not getting paid life changing money in the CFL. Like they are playing because they love the game. Maybe some of them just don't want to give it up. They want to keep their youth. I don't know, whatever their reasons are. But they're not getting rich by and large, okay? And I could be the father of a lot of these guys. So I keep thinking, gee, that could be my, yeah. that could be my son on the plane. Or that's, you know, Kelly Jeffrey sucks or Craig Dick- Dickinson sucks. Well, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's, that's somebody's dad. So I'm looking at it through different eyes now as opposed to maybe if I was not on the plane with the team. So in that yeah, way, it's yeah. been an eye-opener for me. Well, everybody's saying how bad Kelly Jeffrey is. His quarterback passed for 402 yards against Toronto and Halifax. They can't run the ball. I'm not convinced that's Kelly Jeffrey's fault. But if he's that bad, how do you pass for over 400 yards against the undefeated team in the league? I mean, I'll keep back to my heroes and zeros quickly, but the Riders still have 11 games to go. They've only played seven. I've seen many teams have poor starts in their first seven and win the Grey Cup. And for people just to completely write off this club, uh, be warned, it's too early. Well, and and you know, a case in point there, Don, it's a good point. The Toronto Argonauts, they were kind of on the verge of going the other way in that Atlantic-Canada game last year, if you remember. And the Riders were winning. The Riders were winning that game with two minutes and some to go. And Winton McManus picked it off and took it back for a 50-yard touchdown. And Toronto went the other way, and the Riders went the other way, and that was the end of it. So things can change. Let's get to a hero, Don. Let's do some positivity here. Okay, I'm going to uh, do a hero, and that is... Uh, sort of with a back-to-the-future theme, if I could, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. My heroes are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for beating Ottawa on Sunday, August 6th. I am absolutely positive, so positive, I guarantee it. They are going to beat Ottawa for a lot of different reasons, uh, mainly because of their play against BC and Toronto going into this game. I mean, I wanted... uh, check with Dr. Emmett Brown to see if he had still had his time travel machine in the DeLorean, but apparently that doesn't <laughs> exist, so I can't totally verify it, but uh, everything I know about football, I mean, even that Toronto game is basically a four-play, four-touchdown turnaround. Otherwise, Saskatchewan outplayed Toronto. Everything I know about football indicates to me that Saskatchewan will win this game with where their defense is playing. Mason Fine, that we'll talk to, about him in a minute, was getting better as that game progressed. And I, I, I just don't think uh, Ottawa's going to beat Saskatchewan. I think Saskatchewan can 
beat Ottawa and Montreal, well, let's just say they lose to BC, well, they're 500 going into Labor Day. I think that's very possible. Yeah, I do too, man, and uh, we'll wrap that up. I want to get into the schedule before we... I know it's a fool's journey, but I do want to be foolish for a little bit. Let's get to another, and I agree with that last statement you made, let's go to another zero, Don Hewitt. Well, I, my zero is people who are saying that they know definitively, that they know 100% that Mason Fine can't play and or win in the CFL. And the reason I don't believe anybody can say that is because the sample size so far has not been big enough. The sample size is too small. And I don't even count the two games he started at the end of uh, 2022. And the reason is because the only thing the players were thinking about uh, in those last two games was, oh, where's my plane ticket? You know, where do I get out of here? There was no focus nothing uh, was going on to the positive. I don't even count the situation. I think it was impossible for any quarterback to win either of those games. Uh, So, I mean, uh, Matt Dunnigan talked about it the other day. Uh, Troy Aikman, Dallas Cowboys, first season, he was terrible, ended up winning, you know, three Super Bowls. So, you know, some have the it factor right away. Uh, You can tell, you can see it, you can feel it. uh, Admittedly, we have not seen that from Mason Fine. Uh, Even Ron Lancaster got beat out, you know, in Ottawa for the starting job by Russ Jackson. Didn't look that sharp. It took him some time. Uh, I think Fine is projecting up if you look at his second half in Halifax. So all I'm saying is it could turn out that Fine can't do it. It could turn out that Dolagal is better. We don't know. But again, the sample size is too small. And, uh, you know, I, you can't write off Mason Fine yet. You can't. It would any any brain I have and what I've seen about football in my whole life indicates to me after two games against the two best teams in the league, you cannot write off Mason Fine yet. You just can't. No, I agree. And uh, your last hero, Don Hewitt. Well, it's got to be the Saskatchewan defense. I mean, the yeah. way they played in their last two games. Uh, in Halifax, Tights and Moncrief had the best games that they had all season. He got Tremaine Washington coming in, likely, I would think, on Sunday, who led the league in interceptions. The front is getting more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I think they're going to eat up Dustin Crum. Hamilton gave them the blueprint. They spied him. They wouldn't let him run. Uh, you know, I really think uh, the Saskatchewan defense is going to be just too much for the Ottawa offense. And... Uh, yeah, that's another reason why I feel uh, the main one, the main reasons uh, of what they're going to win the game on Sunday. And you know, people are going to say to me, maybe after the segment, Don, you just sounded like such a pathetic homer about Saskatchewan. But and, and and you know, a lot of people will think that. But I am going in all the years that I've watched football and observed football. I am going in what I've seen historically, what I've seen uh, with players and coaches and seasons, and it's like. You know, I don't know what sort of a crowd they're going to have against Ottawa, but I know a lot of people are already writing them off. It's too soon. It really is too soon. Okay, but let me ask you, Don, and I've said this uh, since the start of the week here yesterday. This is uh, the the coaches won't say it, uh, and I get it, but I believe this is a must win for the Rough Riders. They have to yeah. win this game, and Mason Fine needs to win. I think a quarterback's record is overrated in some respects because it is a, the ultimate team game, but. Just to mm-hmm. just to quiet the waters a little bit, this team for sure, this organization needs to win, and he needs to win. It's a must win. 
No, I agree. Uh, and I think we talked about that in our post-game show uh, after the, your tilt in Halifax. I think it, it's a big game that uh, Mason can win and should win, I believe. Uh, the team has to win. They need to win. Uh, you're calling it a must-win. I agree with that. I, I think, uh, you know, you talked about how things turned around after last year's a game in Nova Scotia. Well, you don't want to lose this game because then you will get a little worried about wheels coming up, you know, at that point. But the wheels haven't come off because the professor has said very strongly and sternly <laughs> Saskatchewan is going to win on Sunday. That's well, it. They're going to win. Tomorrow. Yeah, and I agree with you. So if I look at the schedule right now, Don, and I'm kind of in line, your line of thinking. Now, this is a, this is a, um, Experiment in a fool's journey looking at a schedule because so many things can happen with injuries, okay? But I got the Riders winning on Sunday, like you, so that puts them at four and four. I do think they'll beat Montreal and they'll be five yep. and four. So do I. I think it'll be yep. a tough game against BC. Uh, I could see the Riders winning that, but I'll put that for a loss, so they're five and five. Yep. I think me. the Rough Riders are going to upset the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Labor Day as I feel it right now. They're, it's going to be one of those ones that the Bombers will come in favored, but it's about time the Riders uh, get back some uh, winning ways on Labor Day here after stubbing their toe a couple of... So I say six and five. They'll be six and six because they'll lose in Winnipeg. Edmonton comes in here and they better win that game. Uh, so they'll be... Uh, I'm putting that down for a win. Riders will be seven and six. Then they go to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Ottawa. I got them at eight and six. Uh, probably a loss to BC, eight and seven. Then Hamilton comes in here. They're nine and seven. They go to Calgary, and that could be a playoff one. And that could go either way. Put it to you this way, man. I think the Riders still have an opportunity to finish like I thought they would, nine and nine. I think that's very doable. I think it's doable. And, and I talked about how. After the second half in Halifax, Mason finds projectory look like it's going up, and it looks like Jake Mayer's projectory is going down in Calgary. Mm. After some of the passes he threw in, in their loss in Montreal, I thought, is he unraveling? I mean, I don't know what's going to go on with Jake Mayer. I mean, he was throwing balls the last pass. It was so far out of the end of the end zone that would nobody would be able to catch that. It was crazy. So mm-hmm. we'll see what's going to happen. Calgary could really start unfolding uh, you know quickly if Jake Mayer is falling apart Don it's been fun it's always fun talking to you you will join us on the pre and post game show on Sunday thanks for your time man I appreciate it yeah thanks Ballsy that is the professor Don Hewitt football 101 Huey's heroes and zeros we'll be back with our clutch performance for next service and maybe get to a couple more of your texts this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the show. Time now for a clutch performance, and it's brought to you by Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Looking forward to this week's practice uh, for the Rough Riders because I'm going to get myself a Bane's World t-shirt. Sean Bane is his own clothing thing. He makes t-shirts. And so we were all joking with him on the bus, so I'm going to get different colors. So, you know, Wayne's World? Well, now we got Bane's World, Sean Bane Jr. And actually... Uh, when we talk clutch performance, besides his fashion, 
in his fashion sense. Bain Jr. was graded out as the top receiver in the CFL last week by Pro Football Focus, grading out at 78. Uh, he had 144 yards, scored the touchdown on the uh, corner route from Jake Dolagala. He's on pace for, he said he wanted, I asked him, and he said, you'll laugh. I said, no, I won't laugh. I go, what was your goal? He goes, I want to get 1,700 yards receiving. So I think he is on pace for about thirteen or 1,400 yards by my quick math. So that still would be a great season for Sean Bain Jr. Definitely a nice free agent acquisition by Jeremy O'Day. I, I wasn't so sure at the start of the year. Uh, training camp, preseason, he didn't do anything to make me go, wow, I'm glad they signed this guy. But as the season's gone along and he's gotten to a rhythm, he's definitely been used on jet sweeps and, um, you know, the... The, the passes uh, east to west on the field and then that uh, deep one. So I'm uh, I'm happy for him. He's the clutch performer along with Charbel De Beer. Uh, Charbel De Beer uh, graded out as the top special teams player at uh, 90.1. Okay, so let's get to a couple of your texts here. I'm going to read them on the fly. Um, this from Rodney in Candle Lake. It seemed like Cody Fajardo hurt his throwing hand. He missed some wide open passes at the end of the game. Your thoughts? Well, he did leave the game and he did come um, back in that game against the uh, Calgary Stampeders. He threw for 158 yards, was only sacked once, didn't make any mistakes, had no touchdowns, no interceptions. So it was a serviceable game from Cody. Yeah, we'll see what he does going forward. This is from Jim and Regina, who wants to stay glass glasses half empty. He says it's a must win for the Riders because they'll lose the next four. Totally disagree. Totally disagree. I think they'll... Uh, Montreal's not easy. It's a short week. They could lose that game, but I see the Riders winning the next two. And then I think it's a coin flip against the BC Lions. Laugh if you will, but it was 19-10 the Rough Riders lost. Or 19-9 the Rough Riders lost by 10 to BC. Very winnable game there, too. Coach May you know a couple of uh, coaching um, things kind of put the riders behind the eight ball there, but uh, we're not coaches, we're broadcasters. So yeah, keep the text coming. We'll get to more of those as uh, we can. Uh, but on the other side of our newscast here at four thirty, Luke Mullender will join us. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the goings on in the CFL and how he thinks the riders are shaping up going into this big game, a battle of three and four teams, Ottawa and Saskatchewan. Uh, once again, our text line nine three six sixty two six. Um, uh, that's powered by the Capital Auto Group. That's also the number you can call locally or 1-866-767-0620. The Tuesday Sports Cage brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. I'm Hamble, General Manager, and I'm excited to invite you to our friends and family event. Save $7,500 on our brand new E53 AMG sedan. Plus, check out our all new EQ lineup. Come check out our Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned inventory and explore a wide range of over 500 pre-owned vehicles. Drive it home today. The friends and family event is on now. Time now for your sports ticker, and it's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right, 781-2090. Blue Jays continue their series in Bo- or at home against the Baltimore Orioles. They lost 4-2 yesterday. Bo Bichette got a hit, rounded first, realized, oh, something's wrong with my knee, quit running, got tagged out. Uh, no structural damage. He'll uh, just be day-to-day. They made a uh, then made a trade today for uh, shortstop Paul DeYoung from the... 
uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and they got cash, and then they gave up a prospect. And Justin Verlander, the other big trade, he goes from the Mets back to his old stomping grounds, the Houston Astros, for prospects. And they'll also, will the Mets, pick up $54 million of his salary. So that's what you'd call a, a failed experiment. That's your sports ticker. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear, play pass, 16 counters, ZD bang. Pull back west right, zoom. Pull back left, pass halfback at zero, Z quick sprint left, on one. The CFL reports for Kevin's Marine and Fort Coppell. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. American linebacker Darnell Sankey has been granted his release from the XFL and is looking to return north of the border. Farhan Lalji is reporting that. Sankey has already received two contract offers from CFL teams but won't sign a deal until the midway point of the NFL preseason later here in August in case a team in the NFL decides to bring him in for training camp. If that deal does not materialize, he's planning to make his return to the CFL. The 28-year-old set a franchise record for the Rough Riders in 2022 when he recorded 120 D tackles last season. He also made two special teams tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles, and one INT. Turned down a contract extension with the Riders in the offseason to pursue a deal in the XFL, which he was hoping would give him a shot at the NFL. So stay tuned. And who knows, the Riders have some free money now with Trevor Harris on the shelf. According to Jacksonville Offensive Coordinator Press Taylor, Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke is absolutely more than a training camp arm for the Jags. The 25-year-old got a $5,000 signing bonus along with $216,000 American in guaranteed base salary to total $221,000 U.S. in monetary assurances from the Jags when he signed with the team. Rourke is continuing to earn the respect of the coaching staff at training camp. Quote, he's done a great job in terms of growing from the spring through the summer and in a training camp. He and QB coach Mike McCoy have also spent a lot of time together. He's somebody that's going to get a lot of opportunities coming up in the preseason games that we have high hopes for leading our offense. And that's your CFL report. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, I just want to go through a couple of these texts and then bring Luke in. Luke Mulder, a great color commentator, best in the business, will join me in a second. But I got to go through some of these the Capital Auto Group. From Barry, you guys are talking about Jake Mayer of Calgary. I think he's way better than Mason Fine. I would trade even across, but no one would take Fine. Then, then, uh, then uh, this one. This one is from uh, Trent. Mason Fine is a perfect uh, quarterback for Reynolds, O'Day, and Dickinson era. He does enough things right to make one think good things are just around a corner. Just one more chance. But in the end, the game is lost and everyone can pat each other on the shoulder about a good effort and the status quo remains because winning is not priority for the franchise. Let's uh, bring in Luke Monitor on this. Now, this is what I've been... Okay, so, listen. We know in the first game, we see all the games with our own eyeballs, okay? And the beauty of being at the games is, like, you get... In this day and age, when so many radio crews are watching from a from a studio on the road yep. and they don't get to go. Right. I'm glad we get to go because when we do games, you're watching stuff that I can't watch and you see different things, right. okay? Um, that dude... Got better from 
BC to Toronto game. And he took a lot of shots to make plays. Like, I was pretty impressed with Mason Fine. I can't believe people are so down on the guy. I, I really can't. I didn't think, I don't think Lukey stunk the joint out at all to this point. No, he definitely hasn't stunk the joint out. I, I actually think that um, they need to continue along the Mason Fine line just uh, until, um, until. Someone proves. So here's here's the deal. We, let's just take Sunday's game out of it, right? Yep, okay. So we have we have Sunday. We just played. We just played Toronto, which is the best team in the league, right? BC, probably the second best team in the league, and Calgary, a team that you know is going to give you competition, regardless of how many wins. And he came off the bench cold. That's, yeah. Well, no, but but BC and Toronto. I mean, those are some pretty pretty good clubs. Now, mm-hmm. I, and I think that the problem that you have is when you put a guy like Dolgale in, because because traditionally Saskatchewan, especially when I got here in two thousand four, yeah, the first quarterback I heard in, about in two thousand four was Rocky Butler, and at the time Rocky Butler wasn't even the starter. Mm-hmm. Rocky Butler, and and so I I think that you know for the most part in Saskatchewan we've always kind of looked at the backup quarterback because there is such a sort of high uh, high expectation. Um, in brackets, despite only having four Grey Cup championships in this organization, right? But there is such a high expectation um, for quarterback play. Um, when you look in the past, your quarterbacks, especially the ones that everybody raves about, mm-hmm. like like it's Darian Durant has set the standard here over the since two thousand since the early two thousand. Yeah, but let me stop Dar- you. Let me stop well, you. I, I was I was here. When you played, yeah. taking these calls, yeah. and now people say, we haven't developed the quarterback since Darian Durant. Do yeah. you know how many people wanted to run Darian Durant out of town yeah. before he won a great cup? Well, that's and the, the reason I brought up Durant as being sort of the standard bearer here in Saskatchewan is because as far as toughness goes, Mason Fine has that toughness. Mason Fine is a resilient MF. Mm-hmm. That dude was getting clocked, Right. That dude was absolutely getting hammered um, when throwing the ball. That last interception, man. I mean, any quarterback throws an interception there if he gets hit in his ribs yeah. when when he can't and doesn't complete a throw. So I think that I think that when you're looking at, I think that when you're looking for consistency, right, in a time where you need a win against Ottawa. I don't think the time is now to switch the quarterbacks, right? Because because you need a win. You've just played Toronto and BC and Calgary, all teams that you that you know you expect to see in some sort of playoff format. You know that that thing saying, "Well, you got to beat the teams you got to beat." Yeah, Ottawa is one of the teams that they got to beat. So for me, I, I don't think it's time to put in another quarterback at this point. I think it's time to say to um, the offensive line and and the offensive system, say, hey, like you know, you can probably expect a lot of teams to blitz you from this point on, right? You can probably expect because the last two games we've seen a ton of linebacker engagement from the opponent, and it's worked. It's hit our quarterback a ton of times. Now. The problem is me and you aren't sitting in the film room. What if Mason Fine is holding on to the ball too long? Yeah. Right? I don't see it, but that may be the assessment from, right? All I know is that we have not had a running game in the last two games, right? And the running game is what makes you successful when you can pass because that helps you establish physicality, but more importantly, it keeps defenses on their toes. Henceforth, Chad Kelly's success with Toronto so far. Yeah, if defenses can just tee off on you like the last two weeks, like Mason Fine has been getting beat up, man. That's a resilient kid. I 
I, I've become a fan over that just just based on that alone. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the one of the legendary quarterbacks that everybody talks about that you're talking that you're exactly right that was that that we tried to run out of town mm-hmm. until he was no longer here, mm-hmm. and then we all of a sudden we were like, oh man, Darian Duran was so great. But yeah, you're right. When I was here, it was Darian Duran needs to get run out of town. When he was when he was when he did leave, everybody was like, oh man, I can't believe we would. What was Durant's Chris Jones here. doing? Get rid of Darian Duran. Yeah. So I think that yeah, you just got to keep you got to keep a little bit of perspective on on sort of what you're asking for, right? Um, Here's my question. You've been in professional locker rooms. You've been, uh, you've, you've sat and watched uh, film and all that type of thing, okay? So here's, help me out if I'm seeing this wrong. Because I've been trying to, <laughs> you were laughing with me on the plane because I, you couldn't even wait. You, you couldn't wait. You couldn't wait till we got off the tarmac. You're in it with the, the plane fans. hadn't even taken off and you were getting into it with yeah. the fans. Okay, but so here. It so, hadn't so, even taken off. Bah, it just drives me nuts. So, so I hadn't even decided whether I wanted the actual flight meal or just wanted some snacks. <laughs> and you, you were out there already on the, on the so, fans. So, 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 but help me out here. And this is not a shot against Jake Dolagala. You can't teach sides. You no, can't, you I can't, love Dolagala. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But, but listen. These coaches watch a gross number of hours worth of film. They're in the they're in the practice facility with these guys. They're meeting with these guys. This regime needs to win. Okay, they are on expiring contracts. If Jake Dolagala, if they thought he was the best option, would he not be starting right now? Would he not be the guy? Like, yeah, I like, think that. I think that. Or am I looking at it wrong? No, no, no. I think that you're right. I think that training camp, we saw an incredibly intense quarterback battle. And it was close. It was really close. It should have been really close. Mm-hmm. Um, Shea Patterson had a great camp. Dole Gala had a great camp. And Mason Fine had a great camp. Um, the decision was made that we were going to obviously start Trevor Harris. But at that point, too, they also said, hey, Mason Fine's our backup quarterback. So let him be the backup quarterback. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, the interception that, that like, like Toronto... We didn't lose to Toronto because of quarterback play. No. Nope. We didn't lose to BC because of quarterback play. Right? We didn't lose to Calgary because of quarterback play. Nope. Right? So let's just take the things that we can be consistent about, present that next game against Ottawa, but let's actually take the things that are actually really lacking. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, on special teams, and let's get better at those. I, and that's how I think the team moves forward. See, but it's nice to be able, as a, as a fan base, to to focus on the quarterback. I promise you, right now, right that meeting, that meeting day one of Ottawa didn't focus around the quarterback conversation. That meeting, starting out with special teams, probably talked a heck of a lot about tackling. Yep. And being physical at the point of attack, right? The defensive meeting, they probably had a, a ton of discussions, and the offensive meeting had, had, had probably had a ton of discussions, right? So, yeah, it's this team was never going to beat anybody with just one guy. This was never from the time we said, what did we say all summer? Also, I mean, all winter we were saying this team's going to be really good as as their starting crews, but it's the it, the story's going to be told when we get into the depth. Yeah. Right? Where is the depth on this team? And now we're starting to see it, but everybody's starting to see it, right? I'm just this team was never going to be a team that made the playoffs based on one position. This was going to have to be an all-out three-phase effort. All the way through 2023. Mm. At the end of the day, if this Grey Cup was won, it was going to be because of the whole squad. If we didn't go to the playoffs, it was because of the whole, it was never going to be about one person. So we need to stop as a fan base trying to figure out where we can place our blame. Because right now, on the last three games, the last three losses, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around, not mm. just on the quarterback. Yeah, so 
I say this is a must win for the Rough Riders, and it's a must win for Mason Fine. I think sometimes a starter uh, starter record as a quarterback is overrated because it is a team game. Yeah, but I think just uh, just for his own peace of mind, just to kind of quell the whole, hey, he hasn't won as a starter. But more importantly, Luke, I'm not saying they're going to win this. Like. I'm not being cocky to say, oh, they'll roll over Ottawa, but it's a winnable well, this, game, this and it's, team, a, it's yeah. a must win at home. You have to win this game. That's how I feel. Again, if, if this team wants to go to the playoffs, this, te- this, team, this team needs to beat the teams that they should beat, and Ottawa's a team that they should beat. Ottawa's, Ottawa's playing with a ton of momentum, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, this team, this team, it's not about Ottawa on Sunday. There's a lot of guys that have to look in the mirror Right mm-hmm. from the coaching staff all the way on down through the the person that delivers the the, the, the post workout yeah. post workout shakes yeah right like everybody has to do a little bit of a mirror check here and ask themselves is the guy in the mirror is the person in the mirror because it's 2023 is the person in the mirror right um, doing everything they can to win a championship. And if the answer is no, then what does that person need to do? What part of the game, what part of that person's game needs to be reconfigured? What part of the film does that person need to represent themselves a little bit better on, right? And there's and there's pl- and again, there's plenty. So when I saw some of this and I wanted to ask you before we go to break, you, going back to that game just from our steamy vantage point yeah. in Halifax, did you did you think the team put in a fairly good effort? Because I heard that, oh, <laughs> they mailed it in, they were out partying, they looked like they're going through the motions. No, they, they weren't out partying, I can promise you that. I know I, they cause, weren't. Because I was out partying, and, and <laughs> I didn't see around. anybody. <laughs> no, 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 I saw the board and the president. And the, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, so don't worry, the, yeah. the riders weren't out partying. I was even out yeah, for yeah, a bit, yeah, I didn't see there. anybody No, yet. so I think that, uh, uh, yeah, um... The better team won on in Atlanta touchdown Atlantic. The better team won. And but it was it was really eye opening to hear how the better team approached the week. It was two very different I'm talking about from I, I had a chance to talk to some some of the people that make the, the decisions there in Toronto. Yeah. Based on the person like it was incredible the way they talked about the personnel that they brought for that game specifically. Okay. When they also said, Look, you know, we knew this was gonna be a hot game, so one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to we wanted to stack our roster. Um, to continually attack with more D linemen, yeah, with with more with more physicality. They, yeah. There was a physical roster they wanted to bring because they knew it was going to be hot, and they knew that you know it was going to their their advantage. They thought I think was physical, yeah, was on the physical side. So yeah, the better team won. I mean, but that's the thing. The better team won because they forced a mistake in every single phase. That's right. Phase. The, uh, the better mis- team won because better teams find a way to take no, those no. three or four plays and yeah. turn in their well, advantage. The, thing. the better they made. Plays on special teams, yeah. and what is the thing we talk, we said about special teams? Special teams is something that the rider is a phase that the riders are going to have to win every single week mm-hmm. from this point on to, to have a chance to win a football game, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. They won special teams, right? They won on the defensive side of the ball, and they won on the offensive side of the ball. Like literally, that's they they went three and zero against us. It was, they were just the better team. And I that's fine. Say- that's the Toronto. Guess what? They're better than the five other teams that they played as well. I, I do think though that Jason Shivers' defense should be commended for what they've done in back to back weeks. Like Jason you- Shivers, Jason Shivers is right now probably their schematically is their best coach. 
Like, that's how it looks. He's done a heck of a job. I think that he's done a heck of a job preparing his defense, but he's done a heck of a job calling the game, too. You just have to remember, man. I mean, they were they were put in Toronto and touchdown Atlantic. That defense was put in some situations that you, you just can't put a defense in, mm-hmm. right? They've been on the field a lot, right? But, I mean... It's not on them for a special team score, right? Those turnovers were in some really unfortunate phase. I mean, we threw a pick six, right? Like, mm. like if you take all that, if you take all that out, that score for Toronto was actually really different, right? Yeah, well, and you, and you let him on two and offensively. We had a, t- a drop, a drop touchdown in the end zone, which was a little high, but he still got yeah. his hands on it, and we fumbled in the end zone. I mean, that's I two that, touchdowns right there. I think that I think that when you look at this team, that's probably one of the more consistent conversations we've had this year last year um then you had the break and the year before that was oh man what if only the offense had put on up 21 points right if only the off right like yeah so you're gonna need it from offense uh, offensively Mm -hmm. on sunday you're gonna need it because defense is looking like it's doing its job um they've got obviously with ottawa they've got a really active quarterback a quarter but that's but here's the thing everybody's making this big deal about crumb this is this is not a situation we haven't seen before in the canadian football league like their quarterback is not somebody is not something new. Yeah, their quarterback is the sa- is cut from the same type of cloth as as and, and you can go all the way back to Casey Printers and guys yeah. like that. Like you see this type of quarterback every single. So, you know when they're on TV and they're making a big deal about spying the quarterback, like that's not a new thing. <laughs> We're not doing that as a new yeah. cool thing. No, yeah. that's what you do in a, with a quarterback when you're trying to make him throw the football and beat you by doing that. Yeah. Right? So schematically, I have no question that Jason Shivers is about to do the same thing he's done for the last two games, and that's put out something that's designed to stop that offense from scoring. And by the way, look at the Toronto Argonauts stats prior to that game in uh, against Saskatchewan. In th- they were number one in literally all the categories that mattered. Yeah, 100%. And and that defense shut them down under some really under some really tough circumstances. That's why I'm not as down on this team as some. We're going to take a break, have some more with Luke Monitor. We'll check it with Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs, too. It's a sports gauge for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, before we wrap up with Luke Mulder, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with our friend Brian Raymond at Flowing Springs. Brian, how are you, bud? I am doing great. What a great day. It is an awesome day and a great week ahead. So tell us about some of the specials out there, my friend. Well, tomorrow is Wednesday, and every Monday and every Wednesday, if you're a lady or a senior, meaning you're over 60, it's only $32 to come out and play the golf course. And we still have a special. If you're neither of those, it's $42 instead of the regular $55 to play the golf course. And, of course, every day after 3 o'clock, whether it's weekend or weekday, it doesn't matter, $35. And after 6 o'clock, walking only, $19 to come out and play at Flowing Springs. And, of course, you got that awesome natural driving range. Tell us about that. People like natural driving range. What does that mean? Is he golfing with the deer? (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, but you know what? There are no mats out here. We don't have any mats anywhere except in front of the clubhouse. Uh, The driving range is all natural grass, so you don't have to worry about your club. 
shrubs or damaging them or anything, and we've got tons and tons of room. You don't have to make a reservation. All you have to do is come to the clubhouse and uh, get a bucket of balls, and you're all set to go. I think we're right in a sweet spot, too. It's not windy lately. Uh, well, it has been off and on, but I like today's a good day. And also, man, uh, I- I'm noticing not a lot of bugs, like not a lot of mosquitoes or anything. Perfect conditions to golf and enjoy yourself. Oh, that's the amazing thing. And, and we're getting a lot of traffic now early in the morning and certainly uh, afternoons. We've got a people lined up out here on the first tee right now. And, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, no mosquitoes, no wind. Nice warm temperatures. You don't have to warm up very much. This is the way to do it. Well, if you're a crappy golfer like me, that's not good because then you can't blame your horrible shots on the wind or the mosquito bit you just when you swung the club. But hey, I digress. Hey, uh, Brian, Brian, give me the numbers and how they can uh, book a tee time and uh, see your smiling face out there. Well, we're taking bookings for tomorrow and, of course, through to the weekend, so give us a call at 306-543-5050, and you can book online at flowingspringsgolf.com. Thanks, my man. We'll talk to you on Thursday. You betcha. Take care. Take care. Okay, yeah, Luke, I got a text from Ken. Ken wanted to know, he wanted, hey, is there anybody there knowledgeable about line play? Well, it certainly wouldn't be this guy. I just know what their positions are and more or less what they do, but you've uh, you've been around the uh, trenches for a while. Let's start with the defensive line. Just your thoughts on the defensive line's play. I thought... I thought it's been picking up a little bit at times. I don't know how you thought they did in Halifax. Um, I still think that they need to to work uh, on stopping the run. Uh, and that's not just an overall thing. I, I think that it's more of a situational football thing when you know that the team needs to run the ball to you know to mm-hmm. control the clock to to figure out like schematically it works for a team to, yeah. to run the ball I think that that's when when this team needs to really step up I think that the over mainly for me um, the, the question is okay can, can we do some of the things without having to actively engage the linebackers right like do we need to shoot the linebacker one of the linebackers every single down to, to make it a five man surface or you know can we get the can we get the run stop with the four guys that we have um and i also think that you know we're still we're still we're getting a lot better um it's it's improved you can tell that they're watching it on film but we're still um we still need work on on the line of scrimmage when your defensive end and and the action moves away from you okay right um we're still there's still some things that we've got to work on i I think that for the most part um, so a d lineman Action moves away from you. What do you expand on that? What do you want to see from a guy like a, like an Anthony Lanier, the second who's learning that yeah, spot? Yeah, if, if you so, if you're Anthony Lanier and the and the action moves away from you, you have to keep your relation to the to the guy to the to the gap that you're in. So if if I'm on the right side and the their, their left tackle, which is the guy mm-hmm. I'm lining up on the right side, moves down, blocks down, I've got to I've got to stay health. I've got to keep a healthy distance between him, even though he's not blocking me. Mm-hmm. I've got to make sure that I'm I'm still accountable because I'm the last man on the end. Of line of scrimmage right, right there, right? Um, you see that they, they did a little bit better in Toronto. There were a couple instances where if the quarterback pulled it, they would get they would get up to the quarterback level quickly to force them to make a good throw. But there's there's sort of little technical things that I think that they could have improved on that they're starting to show improvement on, right? And that's what I mean by, by beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. There's a lot of things that you see on film from a defensive standpoint, from an offensive standpoint, from a special team standpoint, that the the teams that aren't the Torontos and the BCs of the league right now, you should you should be able to to not only work on those corrections during practice, but come out and, and actually apply those corrections against a team that you should be beat. And here's the other thing, that 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 relation to the end man on the line of scrimmage and, and the 
and and where you need to be on the actual line of scrimmage if the action goes away from you. That's incredibly important against a quarterback like Dustin Crum. Yeah, right. Like they're 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 going to be looking on the, that Ottawa team is going to be looking on on film and seeing okay, well, how are these guys against the run pass option? Yeah, right. How are these guys against the play action boot? Right. How are these guys like? And and there's been certain things like you know we've we've commented it on right on um on during live during live broadcasts where I've said hey this team might actually come back to that play but pull it next time yeah. instead of instead of hand it off because because there's a lot of information to be gathered in that play so for instance our defensive end committed a little bit too far down if a quarterback was to pull that when a defensive end overcommits at the as his last man on the line of scrimmage that quarterback pulls it not only does he break the edge and we've lost we, we've we've lost downs because of this during the season more importantly they've extended downs but if that quarterback pulls it now where are we especially with the guy like Dustin Crum who's quick Mm. right so Little fundamental things really matter against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Fortunately for the Riders, they've put enough of those fundamental corrections and mistakes they need to make on film to where they should be working on it and repping it. And that's when you expect, to, like Sunday, you expect to see that stuff shut down because, again, Ottawa is not Toronto. Ottawa is not BC. But in any given Sunday, you don't show up. You're going to get beat. You got 90 seconds. What do you think <laughs> of the... Uh, is the offensive line better than last year? Oh, oh man. Um... Now there's factors why it, the it might offensive be the same, line. But. No, the offensive line is isn't where it needs to be, but for different reasons. Um, last year, at this point, we were really upset at our offensive line because of a couple positions, but more importantly, the discipline. Um, the discipline issue isn't there. What the offensive line has been this year is inconsistent. Right? They've they they like we've seen holes in performance in different spots, right? Like, so for instance, you know what? Um, I think that Brandon Council, he's a young kid, yeah. right? But Brandon Council, he really struggled last game, especially with the in-out move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Council hadn't, just didn't struggle like that against uh, the week before. Right. It was the interior that struggled a little bit in the week before. So when you have those performances where, where, where that, that create the inconsistency, but you can't sort of pinpoint, last year you could pinpoint. Last year, we could say literally our right tackle, that guy is an absolute liability. Yeah. And it's not helping that the guy on the right guard side is also not playing to where he needs to play. Well, you could literally say that about that, right? This year, you can't say that. This year, it's been like, oh, man, we didn't get it out of this person. We didn't get it out yeah. of this person. And for and for what it's worth, I actually think Coach Vital, yeah. the guy they have, I think he's a good coach. Yeah, I, I think they really like him. But again, it's week eight. As long as you're continuing to make marginal gains, that's what you want to see. So right now, there's been problems with consistency, but it's been in different spots. If it was one spot, J.O. could make a call. Hey, yeah. We're cutting the right tackle. You need someone. But, you know, there's been a couple injuries, but there's also been that, okay, they can't sit there and say, well, it's one guy right now. Yeah, Impossible. Okay. So we got to go, but I need a one-word answer. Yes. Should the Riders sign Darnell Sankey? No. Why? <laughs> for what? What are we looking for a linebacker for? I, we literally just talked about spots that need the corrections that need to be made. None of those corrections involve linebackers. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. Right, man. We'll be yeah. back with more. Coach Dickey after five on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. 
All right, so let us uh, rock and roll here with Coach Craig Dickinson. We're going to keep for just one segment today because uh, we know he's going to face a number of the same questions over and over again all week, so we won't uh, bog him down too much. Coach, thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. You've had an extra day to look at uh, at the film um, and, and met with the coaches uh you know, it's never as bad as it seems or as good as it seems. What, what did you think of your team's uh, effort and just how things turned out there? Well, you're right about uh, it's never as good, never as bad. But that was that was one of those weird games, Michael, where statistically we came out ahead in almost everything, but we just made some key mistakes. And uh, that was the message we gave to the team. You know, don't defense don't get too proud of yourselves you know i know that they played well and held a good a good toronto team to a low amount of points and a low amount of yards but i also felt like toronto had a had a comfortable lead at, at, you know fairly early in that game and i felt like they they uh they took their foot off the gas a little bit so uh, i don't want to take away from our defensive effort cuz i thought it was outstanding but uh, it was one of those games where I, I don't think the statistics really told the story. I felt like Toronto beat us pretty good. And uh, statistically, we came away feeling decent about ourselves. But we want to make sure and uh, understand that, that football still about scoring touchdowns. It's about the team that's, that's the most physical and makes the least amount of mistakes. And unfortunately, we made them the most mistakes in that game. Yeah, so I had Tevin Jones on the show yesterday, and he kind of echoed the same thing. Maybe that's because he got your message, but he, he said, listen, we're, we're if you do this and you do that, we win and they don't. And that's true, Coach, and in most cases, it's four or five plays that determine a game. So how do you do that? How do you become the team that doesn't make the mistakes? Like, you know, I'd go back to the BC game. You hung in there with them as well. Even the Calgary game could easily be three more wins. How do you how do you turn those mistakes your way so you can win those games? Well, I think you just keep emphasizing um, perfection at practice. You know, that's going to be one of our messages this week is that practice in and of itself is not productive unless you demand perfection. You demand performance at your practice you don't just go out there and go through the motions so i think that's where it starts michael is we got to have an excellent week of practice we've got to get some continuity from day one to day three which i think will help and then we've got to demand that we play to a certain standard uh each day we're out there and then carry that through into the game Coach, I've said this before, it's the only sport where the coach and the quarterback are tied by records, where people talk about 0-4 as a starter, and these two are, uh, they've got this record as a coach and quarterback combo, so sometimes, a lot of times, I think the quarterback gets too much of the credit and too much of the blame, so I don't get into this whole Mason finds 0-4, 0-5 as a starter. Um, you mentioned the word continuity. I've been preaching that since the end of the game. You don't win by flip-flopping quarterbacks. I myself have not seen anything to tell me that Mason Fine shouldn't be starting. Again, after you've looked at it, you mentioned it after the game, you thought he had a, a good enough game to start. After looking over the film, what did you see from Mason Fine? I'd agree with you. I thought Mason actually played a pretty darn good game. You know, uh, the the pick six, we, we were down. You know, we had to take some chances at that at that time. And when you're down and you're playing from behind, you have to do that. And the, the defense knows it. So. They're going to jump some routes on you. So I, I felt like, you know, coming out of camp, we had our starter in Trevor Harris. We had our, our backup in Mason Fine and our, our, our other backup, really, in Jake Dolagala with Shea Patterson being that third 
third uh, third quarterback that could give you some short yardage and some QB run and all that. And I really felt like uh, Mason and uh, and Jake were very close, but we felt Mason was a little bit ahead of him, and I still feel that way. So um, Mason's going to start, and, and I think he's going to play a nice game. And I, I really feel like the more continuity we can have and the, the more um, consistent consistency we can play around him and put around him, the better off he's going to be. So uh, I'm very optimistic he's going to have a good ball game and, and lead our offense the way the way our offense needs to be led. I tell you what, he, he's he got one thing that I think everybody will buy into, okay, is toughness. When your guy takes shots like that and stands in there and takes shots like that, that's a guy that you can uh, rally behind. I'm watching that, uh, I know you don't have time to watch it, but I'm watching that Netflix docuseries, Quarterbacks, and they follow Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, and Marcus Mariota through the whole season, and Kirk Cousins is just getting smoked. And I, I thought, I, I thought thought of Mason fine like that dude took so many shots and it's not like a receiver he's got to get back up and he's got to call the play and make sure everybody's lined up and I I just had a real appreciation for this dude and he's not a big dude in terms of height like so uh yeah I just I think that's something anybody can rally behind no doubt I think you get a lot of respect when you when you show you're willing to sit in there and take a shot to deliver the ball and I think Mason definitely does that so his teammates love him, and uh, his teammates are going to practice and play really hard for him. Coach, talk to me about the offensive line. I, I think it's it's inconsistent still, but and it was inconsistent last year. But I, I just feel like it's different. Like I feel it, it's it's better and it's going to be better. Although I still think it needs some work. How do you see it? I, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I, the O line is always a constant. Um, uh, I should say priority to get them playing as well as possible, but we're definitely better up front than we were yeah, last year. I mean, they they play better together. They've got a better understanding, I believe, of what's expected from them this year, and they're 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 more physical this year. There's no doubt about it. So we just need to get the same five out there, game in, game out, and give them a chance to really develop some continuity. And we're still going to be battling that this week as well there's a couple of guys that won't practice day one and and we're hopeful we get them on day two but that's the key i mean it's five is one you see it in the secondary i think the fact we're able to dress the same five players in the secondary for a second week in a row helped us in our coverage so i just think that's the key to to good teams you know i think that's been the key to winnipeg success as much as anything is they've had the same guys playing together week in week out and when you do that, you get a chance to learn from each other and grow. And that's our goal this week is to try to develop some continuity on both sides of the football with the same guys. Coach, what about the coverage units on punt team? Uh, Leak had a 50-yarder, a 17-yarder, and then the 71-yarder where he ran like 130 yards to score the touchdown. Talk about uh, just the coverage units, what went wrong, or maybe what Toronto did to combat what you were doing. Yeah, well, first of all, Toronto did a nice job. I got to give their coach Mickey Donovan some credit. He he's a good football coach, and they just physically manhandled us in the kicking game. They really did. We we looked at the film very closely, Coach Majeri and I, and, and it's a combination like most most things when they go bad, a combination of scheme and a combination of of just flat not playing very well. And uh, and credit goes to Toronto for exposing that, but. We got to get back to basics this week on punt coverage. We weren't doing some of the some of the principles that we teach and some of the things that we hang our hat on. I felt like after he hurt us on one of the returns early in the game, our guys were a little scared of his speed 
they were overplaying things at times, and that allowed allowed them to to get that one to the field. So, uh, and we're going to look at personnel. The, the truth of the matter is, we got to get a little better on our punt team. We got to get a little bit more speed out there. We got to get some guys that can that can make plays in space. So. We're still struggling to find that continuity on our punt team, and that, that the same thing goes for the punt team is, is on the old line. If you can get the same guys out there playing together week in, week out, you got a chance to be a little better. Hey, I want to go back to the, the quarterback thing here, okay, because I, I tweeted this out and, uh, and, and then said it on the radio. Listen, a lot of times, and it's not every fan, but fans and some media, they want to they uh, talk about developing quarterbacks and the fact we don't develop quarterbacks, but they don't really want us to develop quarterbacks because right away we want to pull the guy out. I had Eddie Steele on this show yesterday, and Eddie said, you know, Coach Dickinson said a couple weeks ago that Mason Fine is our starting quarterback and he has a long leash. And Eddie's comment was, if Coach Dickey goes back on his word, I can guarantee you being in a locker room, he'll lose some of his guys because they're like, what? The guy just said he was going to give him a leash, and then and then he didn't. And 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 so I just want your thoughts on that and being a head coach and choosing your words uh, carefully, not just to me, but but to, to to your team. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comment by by Eddie, and he's right. You know, um, I think somebody asked me that: is he going to get a long leash or a short leash? And mm-hmm. I really would prefer not to even use the term leash. <laughs> yeah, a question that somebody asked me. Yeah, Britain, Britain Gray might ask me that. But um, the reality is, you got to show belief in your players and. And I believe in Mason Fine. I believe in Jake Dolagala. I believe in Shea Patterson. That's why they're on this team. Mm-hmm. But you got to allow players to make mistakes in an atmosphere where they can grow from it and learn from it. And it's the same at quarterback as it is at left tackle as it is at running back. You know, so we're not going to overreact uh, to a guy making a mistake. You got to show belief in your guys because you, that's your team. You know, the the reality is the guys in that locker room. Our, that's our team, and there's there's not a bunch of dudes coming in to replace them. We don't want to replace them, so um, you got to show that you believe in your in your guys. and And the goal is still to be playing our best football at the end of the year. And the season's still young. We certainly want to get back on track this week, but we're not in a panic mode. We're not in a, a press mode. We're just going to practice hard and prep hard, and and uh, and throw the guys out there and expect them to improve. You know, that's our goal this week: improve play a little better than you did last week and and keep working. Well, I I I have I've gone on here and said you guys got to win this game. I feel you have to win this game because it is a winnable game and that's no disrespect to Ottawa, but they're coming to your house. You you want to have a good win here because you got a short week. I'm not sure what your message will be. I wouldn't say there's any panic, but definitely this is one you look at and you're like we got to have this one. This this is the one we got to have, guys. Well, the message will be this. We feel like we're a good team. We're still trying to find ourselves a little bit and, and work through some kinks. Good teams win games at home, especially when they're matched up a team that, that matches up similar to what, the way we do. So the message is certainly going to be we expect to win, but we have to play better to do it. So we focus on the performance and, and the execution, and we let the results take care of themselves. But we certainly feel like this is a game that, that we need to play better than we have in the last few games, and we need to put on a good show for the fans and walk off that field proud 
of what we did. I wasn't snickering, but uh, when I was watching it, but I was kind of snickering in this way, not haha, but it's like the Dickinson boys. Both of your teams have been playing hard. The efforts there just haven't got the wins in the win column because your brother kind of said some of the same things you're saying right now. We're working hard. We just haven't got the W yet. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I said that to the team the other day. Um, the minimum standard we expect is all-out effort, and, and and we're getting that. But it's not enough in pro football to play hard because everybody plays hard. Mm-hmm. You're not in pro football if you don't play hard. So you got to play hard and you got to play well, and that's that's the goal this week. Continue to play as hard as we have, and uh, and let's execute a little better. Coach, thanks for your time, man. We'll uh, see you at practice this week. Have a good week of practice, and uh, hey, let's uh, let's get a win. Sounds good. Put that sunscreen on. It's going to be a hot one out there, Brad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Take care, my friend. That's yeah. yeah. That's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hold on a second here. Hold on one second here. Did I screw this? Up? Oh no, I didn't. Okay, good. Thought I missed his birthday. His birthday's three days after mine. He's one year older than me. So anyway, when we come back, we'll hear from Ryan Pollock. He used to be with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He now runs the Royal Regina Golf Course. We got a big event coming up there. We'll pick his brain on football too. Glenn Suter to wrap the show up as well. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Alright, let's get after it here. It's the Sports Cage. Just ahead of Glenn Suter. I want to talk to one of my favorite people in the community, Ryan Pollock. He used to be in the front office with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, now running the Royal Regina um, Golf Course. And we are going to mesh the two here because you got an event coming up, Ryan. But I'd like to get your thoughts from an outsider's view now uh, on what you're seeing from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Mason Fine, and all those things. I'd like to pick your intellectual football brain. What are you seeing so far? On the spot for the province right out of the gate. There you go. Uh, well, it's been uh, it's been an interesting year. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I thought that they got off to a tremendous start and looked very competitive and and looked like they were going to be a team to to move in that right direction. And and then obviously um, with Trevor's injury, is kind of uh, Trevor and a and a handful of other key players has kind of up, upended their road here a little bit. But um, you know the the wins aren't there right now, but the positive, if I was sitting on that other side, would be that it's a competitive team. They they work, um, they compete. Um, you know e- each week, and um, you know they've been in. Generally speaking, they've been in the games for the majority of the time, and and I think that's where Mason will take the next step with with experience, is finding ways to to stay close, and then and then have that big drive late in the game that put them up. Um, you know, put them in a position to to grab a win. So. Um, I like I like where they're at overall. I, I think they're a team that's um, that's uh, heading in the right direction. The first thing they need to do is is get healthy. So um, I think that'll be a big a big step in the in the right direction. But um, um, but yeah, it's uh, they've been competitive week in and week out. You sat in the communications chair uh, running that whole thing, and so you know what it was like. Uh, you know, uh, dealing with media, dealing with uh, listening to the fans, backlash back in the day. Uh, they didn't like Darian when he was here until he left, and he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, just your thoughts on developing a quarterback and what you see there. Like, I haven't seen anything to tell me to put Mason Fine on the pine right now. I think he got better from the BC to the Toronto game. He actually outplayed Chad Kelly, I thought. Uh, was he perfect? No. But I thought he played pretty well. I just want your thoughts. 
Yeah, it's it's an exercise in patience. There's no doubt, and um, the challenge with uh, any football season is they're short. And you know, if you give a guy three or four weeks to to kind of develop, and um, you know, I don't want to say sacrifice wins, but sometimes they're hard to go and get when a guy's learning. Um, you know, learning to go through it and all that. But uh, um, that that's the challenge for it is to remain patient and 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 let them go through that process because the only way a, a young quarterback is going to get that experience is by playing. And you know, it's always good to look over the fence and compare it to other guys. Um, you know, I think Darian was something like six and zero or six and one in his first uh, starting times, and yeah. I know Bo Levi got off to a crazy. Um, crazy start um, and and stat line when he first started going, but these are special special players that we're referring to, and that's such a rarity um, to happen. So you need guys to be able to come in and and learn the ropes. And the CFL game can be different. And I think Mason has shown some really good um, some really good skill set and some really good tangible skills to be able to make him a good CFL quarterback. Now I'm a media guy, so I could say this. You're not with the team anymore. Maybe you will agree or disagree, but I, I think they need. This is a winnable game. They have. I think they have to win this game for their psyche and for Mason a fine psyche because we're getting the whole. Hey, we started four and one last year, and then we went in the tank, and now we were three and one, and now we've lost three straight. I think they. they hey, listen, four and four looks uh, miles better than three and five. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think this is a game that they're they've got, um, you know, they've got their eyes on getting off this losing streak and you know back at home and um, you know starting to get some things back together. There's no doubt. And I even when you look around the standing, it's it's a funny thing that you start putting teams behind you that it's going to be very difficult for um, you know the two teams behind them in their own division to start catching up to them. Mm-hmm. So every win, every win each week is is really big and. Um, the beauty of the CFL is you just need to find a way to get in at the end and hopefully you're playing good football at the end and if the riders can trend in that direction um, throughout the entire season then they're going to put themselves in a in a spot where they may be able to find some success late this guy was involved with football he's also uh, you know big into hockey but he's the general manager over there at the Royal Regina Golf Course and you got a big event coming up here uh, mar- marrying your current life to your former life uh, talk about the event coming up uh, Ryan yeah, that's a good way to put it. That uh, um, you know, obviously, this year, 2023, has been a 10 year, 10 years since the 2013 Grey Cup. So um, our our club is hosting uh, what's going to be a really fun event. Uh, it's called the Royal Dinner, and it's uh, deemed this month or this year it's deemed uh, um, the Green Mile Greats, and it's a celebration of the 2013 Grey Cup Championship. And we have four really really great guys coming in, and um, quarterback Darian Durant, uh, receivers. Uh, Weston Dressler and Chris Getzlaff, and then offensive lineman um, Brendan Labatt will all be on hand to um, to share stories in a hot stove type environment, and um, hosted by uh, uh, one Glenn Suter as well. So it's going to be an absolute fun um, fun event with great food and lots of laughs, and hopefully some some really good stories to tell and reflections back on what was a special year for that football team. Out of those four guys, who's the worst golfer, do you think? Durant, Dressler, Getzlaff, Labatt. Would it be Labatt? Uh, well, I'm going to say Durant. I've never I've played with all those guys, and I just don't think Durant even plays. But uh, <laughs> dress, dress, is, uh, dress is a really good one, yeah. um, which probably comes as no surprise no. to anyone that knows him at all, that uh, he's an all-around athlete. And um, uh, 
Getzlaff actually plays quite frequently uh, at the club, so I get to see him quite a bit as well. So, um, and then I know um, I know Brendan played quite a bit uh, uh, as well during his playing days as well. So, um, all all good athletes. No one to anyone surprised that they can yeah. transition it to the uh, football field. And lastly, how are things going out the uh, Royal Regina? How are you liking that life and and the go- you you love golf, so it's not that it's not a bad day at work. I bet. No, it's uh, it's been really good, and um, um, you know we've we've been very fortunate. Our, our club has um, been extremely busy, and there's been lots of interest uh, from memberships. It's sold out again for the third year in a row. Wow! Um, and uh, the club has really been hopping with a lot of uh, a lot of rounds, setting um, you know uh, uh, record record rounds this summer, um, and uh, been busy throughout the clubhouse the the entire summer. So obviously, the fantastic weather. Um, leads to that but um, we got a great membership and a great team uh, out there and it's uh, it's a really fun place to be able to go to work every day this team ever in the CFL team ever wanted a guy to run their operation like as the top dog this would be a great candidate Ryan Paul okay we'll have you on again get some memories on that 2013 game and uh, reset this thing coming up uh, on September the 2nd uh, the Royal Dinner themed Green Mile Greats thanks for your time Ryan Paul take care bud Thanks, Ballsy. Talk again. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right, when we come back, we got our sports ticker, we got our Red Sox report, and the man he was talking about, Glenn Suter, joins us. Press coverage. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Your sports ticker is brought to you by our good friends over there at Busy Bee. They'll repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Hoon Jin Ryu is on the mound for the Blue Jays, taking on the Baltimore Orioles. They lost 4-2 yesterday, and right now the Orioles leading them 2-0 in the top of the second. Bo Bichette's knee that he injured yesterday was uh, structurally sound after. After an MRI, he's day-to-day with a tweaked knee. The Jays also made a trade picking up shortstop Paul DeYoung, uh, and he, they got him from the um, St. Louis Cardinals, along with cash considerations for a prospect. That is your sports ticker. Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. And the Regina Red Sox report a presentation of the Canadian Brew House. Go check out their great menu with the jalapeno popper dip. They've got the hangover helpers and many great flavors and great selection of cocktails with uh, a bunch of great flavors and all the sports under one roof over there at the Canadian Brew House. Not to mention their outstanding patio. The Regina Red Sox lost 9-8 to Brooks yesterday. They're on the road tonight taking on Moose Jaw. And then Wednesday and Thursday they wrap up the regular season portion of their home schedule here with a couple of games against Sylvan Lake. And both of those games start at 7.05 at Curry Field. That's your Red Sox report. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. And welcome to the 
press coverage segment with the Hall of Fame broadcaster, Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee back in the day, Glenn Suter. For Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Hey, I understand you get another MC gig, Ryan Pollock tells me, coming up September 2nd, eh? Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to that, Baldy. I uh, get a chance to hang out with Durant and those guys again. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we're going to just tell some stories and enjoy the evening. What a night that was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, November 24th, 2013. Absolutely smoke Henry Burris, Ken Austin, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, you kind of knew when you showed up for the pregame. Uh, I remember the whole week was just absolutely crap for weather. And then I uh, I was doing the pregame show from the soccer center, and I had left my car here at uh, downtown Regina because I thought, if the Riders win this thing, I'm never going to get out. And so... <laughs> I walked over there, and it wasn't bad. It was still a little chilly. It wasn't too bad. And then when the pregame show was done and I walked to old Mosaic Stadium, it was like a Calgary Chinook. It was beautiful. Walked in there, uh, what is it, uh, an hour before the game, and the stadium was full. Everybody was in their seats. And I'm like, oh, the Tiger Cats are dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I remember thinking that about halfway through the second quarter, just the way the game was unfolding, I think early on that snap that went past Henry Burris's head uh, in yeah. shotgun, and, and there was that play. I'm not sure exactly when that was in the game, but that certainly was an indicator. And then the way the, the just the way the team came out, the way Darian had played in the in the two pre uh, postseason games, and then to get to the cup, and just thinking, you know, I, I don't care who the opponent was that day, the Riders were winning that game, and they just felt that way. Well, Darian Durant, and now you you uh have seen more football than me cuz you're way older than me. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you you've been around uh and seen more games live because you it, with your great job you do. But I do not remember a better playoff quarterbacking performance than Darian Durant. He had eight touchdowns. I don't think he had an interception. He kept his family back in the States. I had him on here a week and a half ago. I knew this story from before, but he admitted it was a lonely feeling because he didn't want any distractions that week. He just wanted to win a championship because he had lost in 2009 and 2010 and 2000, and if you remember, 2012 when he left the field in Calgary in the semifinal, he put his team in a position to win. So all the heat was on. So I... um I don't remember a better quarterbacking performance. So now I fast forward to this, Glenn. This is where I'm transitioning. Mason Fine was fine against BC. I thought he took a big step forward against Toronto. People are like, wow, he didn't, he hasn't let him on a touchdown drive since he's been a starter. Well, it's not his fault they fumbled in the end zone. It's not his fault. The pass was slightly high, but six foot. Three, Braden Lenius has got to haul that in wide open in the end zone. There are two touchdowns right there on the board, and he didn't give up the 72-yard punt return for a touchdown. So it's one of those things where Darian Durant, nobody... I took every phone call before the 2013 season. I took every phone call after that 2012 uh, playoff loss, and everybody wanted him gone. He, We can't win with this guy. We gotta find somebody else. I'm hearing the same thing about Mason Fine. The dude's been... He's been a starter four times in his career. What are we doing here? It, well, it's, it's a great point, because you know, the... Uh, you know, that the... 
sort of fast food society that we live in now is, you know, you've got to have the results immediately. There's, there's very little to no patience. Um, and, you know, you, 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 we've, we've said it many times when evaluating quarterbacks, if you're going to pull the quarterback, whoever it is, it, you better be sure that it's the quarterback that's the issue. And in other words, there's many times and many occasions that the team is struggling, but the quarterback is not the issue. The issue is you can't stop the run, or the issue is the mm-hmm. special teams are giving up return touchdowns or whatever it may be. But if you just start pulling players in any position when they're doing their jobs fairly well or growing in their jobs and they're not the reason for your losses, then you know, you're you're just you're gonna lose the room pretty quickly. So I, I just think you know, Mason Fine is developing. Now, I, I will say this, Michael, because Mason is so young, um, and Dal Gal is back there as well. Um, I, I often wonder with young quarterbacks why you can't have uh, not not a, a quick a, a quick uh, you know decision to pull him like don't don't pull him after an inter- the first interception or don't pull him when there's one fumble or one you know mistake in a game that that's silly because everybody's going to make a mistake here or there and you don't pull the free safety when he misses a tackle or you don't pull the running back when he fumbles he goes out and he recovers from that fumble so you got to let the guys go through some ups and downs however with a young quarterback if you don't have Ricky Ray or you know Darian Durant or Ron Lancaster is your quarterback, then, you know, I, I look at baseball and kind of make the connection. If if your guy hasn't got, you know, his best stuff in a game and you need to manufacture a win, then why can't you go to the bullpen without damaging the confidence of your starter, especially when your starter is young? Now, again, there's a fine line here because I, I don't think you should pull him after one or two interceptions even. Um, or two bad reads where he makes a mistake, throws it to the wrong guy in the coverage, goes back the other way. No, don't don't have a quick. Um, yeah, I hate to use the word trigger finger, but don't 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 do that. But I also wonder, you're not going to give a guy four starts to learn. You know, when he's young, you're, you're not going to give up on him. But that's why it's been so puzzling to watch Taylor Cornelius in, in Edmonton. Now they're finally going to make a change, and I'm not trying to cut Taylor Cornelius. He, he's got a lot of physical talent. But I just kept wondering, how are you continuing to go with him as a starter and, and are willing to go eight games at home without winning and how many games they have won in a row here, 21 games in a row? And, you know, you're going to keep putting him out there now you might be messing with his confidence. Yeah, so I, yeah, I agree. I, I here, I, how about this? Here. How about this, suits? I'm not totally opposed to this. Uh, you don't want to do it all the time because sometimes if you have, uh, and they always say if you have two quarterbacks, you have one too many sometimes. And you'd be a perfect guy to talk to about this because you lived it on the positive side uh, with uh, Burgess and Huffnick or Burgess and Austin. I want to talk about that in a minute. But you know, 
What about uh, you know Mason's in there? Things you know he's getting he got took a lot of shots in that game. Hey Mason comes down on the sidelines here for a couple of series. Let's put Dolagala and see what he can do. Maybe you roll Dolagala for two or three series. Hey, put Mason Fine back in. I don't think you want to do that all the time, but I don't know that there's it's bad with the young guy that isn't a proven starter yet to pull him off to the sidelines. I don't have a problem with that. I I I think that could be something you could work in. But I really do believe. I do believe. If Mason Fine, nobody's telling me this. I don't know. There's no magic formula. But I think if the Rough Riders, with the, you know, where they're at right now, three game losing skit, this is a winnable game at home. I'm not disrespecting Ottawa, but this is one you could definitely have at home. Mason Fine needs to win this game as a starting quarterback of the Rough Riders. I really believe that. Or they may have to start looking at something else. Well, I think the whole team has to think that way. And, you know, they've they've got a team they match up well against. They have a young quarterback as well, so defensively you can do some things to maybe fool them or, you know, cause them to hold the ball a little bit long, much like the Ottawa defense will do against Mason. But, you know, I'm with you. If if you're the coach standing on the step, if you're, if you're Coach Dickinson and you're looking at a game and you're, you're halfway through the first half and – and he's taken some hits, and he's not seeing the field, and you're you're feeling like he just isn't is doesn't have his best stuff. Then then why can't you have him watch for a couple series without damaging his his uh, psyche too much? I mean, just as long as you allow, as you let them know and communicate it that look, we've got two good quarterbacks, and back in the day with Burgess and Kent Austin. Our entire team world were great with whomever was playing. It, yeah, it, but it, let's talk about this. Let's talk. I want to talk about that. I want to take a break, and I do want to talk about that because that is something that is very interesting, and you don't see it a lot. We saw it twice in my lifetime in Saskatchewan. Worked better the second time. Uh, this is Glenn Suter press coverage in the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back. Our press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire. By the way, I think I forgot to mention this, and I do apologize. Craig Dickinson Show is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. Uh, back just to Coach Dickinson for a second, and I'm not, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm not licking his coaching shoes. I've called him out on the radio, so it's not like I haven't done it before. I, I feel like you know he's he tell he's made some decisions he'd like back, but in terms of his demeanor, being in this hotbed that is press coverage segment with the Hall of Fame broadcaster Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee back in the day, Glenn Suter. For Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Hey, I understand you get another MC in gig, Ryan Pollock tells me, coming up September 2nd, eh? Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to that, Baldy. I uh, get a chance to hang out with Durant and those guys again. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we're going to just tell some stories and enjoy the evening. What a night that was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, November 24th, 2013. Absolutely smoked Henry Burris, Ken Austin, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, you kind of knew when you showed up for the pregame. Uh, I remember the whole week was just absolutely crap for weather. And then I uh, I was doing the pregame show from the soccer center, and I had left my car here at uh, downtown Regina because I thought, if the Riders win this thing, I'm never going to get out. And so... <laughs> I walked over there, and it wasn't bad. It was still a little chilly. It wasn't too bad. And then when the pregame show was done and I walked to old Mosaic Stadium, it was like a 
Calgary Chinook. It was beautiful. Walked in there, uh, what is it, uh, an hour before the game, and the stadium was full. Everybody was in their seats, and I'm like, oh, the Tiger Cats are dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I remember thinking that about halfway through the second quarter, just the way the game was unfolding, I think early on that snap that went past Henry Burris's head uh, in yeah. shotgun, and, and there was that play. I'm not sure exactly when that was in the game, but that certainly was an indicator. And then the way the, the just the way the team came out, the way Darian had played in the in the two pre uh, postseason games, and that to get to the cup, and just thinking, you know, I, I don't care who the opponent was that day, the Riders were winning that game, and they just Felt that way. Well, Darian Durant, and now you you uh, have seen more football than me because you're way older than me. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you you've been around uh, and seen more games live because you it, with your great job you do. But I do not remember a better playoff quarterbacking performance than Darian Durant. He had eight touchdowns. I don't think he had an interception. He kept his family back in the States. I had him on here a week and a half ago. I knew this story from before, but he admitted it was a lonely feeling because he didn't want any distractions that week. He just wanted to win a championship because he had lost in 2009 and 2010 and 2000, and if you remember, 2012 when he left the field in Calgary in the semifinal, he put his team in a position to win. So all the heat was on. So I... um I don't remember a better quarterbacking performance. So now I fast forward to this, Glenn. This is where I'm transitioning. Mason Fine was fine against BC. I thought he took a big step forward against Toronto. People are like, wow, he didn't, he hasn't let him on a touchdown drive since he's been a starter. Well, it's not his fault they fumbled in the end zone. It's not his fault. The pass was slightly high, but six foot. Three, Braden Lenius has got to haul that in wide open in the end zone. There are two touchdowns right there on the board, and he didn't give up the 72-yard punt return for a touchdown. So it's one of those things where Darian Durant, nobody, I took every phone call before the 2013 season. I took every phone call after that 2012 uh, playoff loss, and everybody wanted him gone. He, We can't win with this guy. We gotta find somebody else. I'm hearing the same thing about Mason Fine. The dude's been, he's been a starter four times in his career. What are we doing here? It, well, it's, it's a great point, because you know, the uh, you know, the, the sort of fast food society that we live in now is, you know, you've gotta have the results immediately. There's, there's very little to no patience. Um, and you know, you, 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 we've, we've said it many times when evaluating quarterbacks, if you're going to pull the quarterback, whoever it is, it, you better be sure that it's the quarterback that's the issue. And in other words, there's many times and many occasions that the team is struggling, but the quarterback is not the issue. The issue is you can't stop the run or the issue is the mm-hmm. special teams are giving up return touchdowns or whatever it may be. But if you just start pulling players in any position when they're doing their jobs fairly well or growing in their jobs and they're not the reason for your losses, then you know you're you're just you're going to lose the room pretty quickly. So I, I just think you know Mason Fine is developing now. I, I will say this, Michael, because Mason is so young um, and Doug Gal is back there as well. Um, I often wonder with young quarterbacks, why 
you can't have uh, not not a, a quick a, a quick uh, you know decision to pull him. Like don't don't pull him after an inter- the first interception, or don't pull him when there's one fumble or one you know mistake in a game. That that's silly because everybody's going to make a mistake here or there. And you don't pull the free safety when he misses a tackle, or you don't pull the running back when he fumbles. He goes out and he recovers from that fumble. So you got to let the guys go through some ups and downs. However, with a young quarterback, if you don't have Ricky Ray or, you know, Darian Durant or Ron Lancaster as your quarterback, then, you know, I, I look at baseball and kind of make the connection. If, if your guy hasn't got, you know, his best stuff in a game and you need to manufacture a win, then why can't you go to the bullpen without damaging the confidence of your starter, especially when your starter is young? Now, again, there's a fine line here because I, I don't think you should pull him after one or two interceptions even um, or two bad reads where he makes a mistake, throws it to the wrong guy in the coverage, goes back the other way. No, don't don't have a quick, um, yeah, I hate to use the word trigger finger, but don't, don't, don't do that. But... I also wonder, you're not going to give a guy four starts to learn, you know, when he's young. You're not going to give up on him. But that's why it's been so puzzling to watch Taylor Cornelius in, in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Now they're finally going to make a change, and I'm not trying to cut Taylor Cornelius. He, he's he got a lot of physical talent. But I just kept wondering, how are you continuing to go with him as a starter and and are willing to go eight games at home without winning and how many games they have a one in a row here, 21 games in a row. And, you know, you're going to keep putting him out there. Now you might be messing with his confidence. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree. I, here, I, I, how, about this, how about this, Suits? I'm not totally opposed to this. Uh you don't want to do it all the time because sometimes if you have, uh, and they always say if you have two quarterbacks, you have one too many sometimes. And you'd be a perfect guy to talk to about this because you lived it on the positive side uh, with the Burgess and Huffnagel or Burgess and Austin. I want to talk about that in a minute. But you know what about uh, you know Mason's in there? Things you know he's getting he got took a lot of shots in that game. Hey Mason comes down on the sidelines here for a couple of series. Let's put Dolagala and see what he can do. Maybe you roll Dolagala for two or three series. Hey, put Mason Fine back in. I don't think you want to do that all the time, but I don't know that there's it's bad with the young guy that isn't a proven starter yet to pull him off to the sidelines. I don't have a problem with that. I I I think that could be something you could work in. But I really do believe I do believe. If Mason Fine, nobody's telling me this. I don't know. There's no magic formula. But I think if the Rough Riders, with a, you know, where they're at right now, three game losing skid, this is a winnable game at home. I'm not disrespecting Ottawa, but this is one you could definitely have at home. Mason Fine needs to win this game as a starting quarterback of the Rough Riders. I really believe that. Or they may have to start looking at something else. Well, I think the whole team has to think that way. And, you know, they've they've got a team they match up well against. They have a young quarterback as well, so defensively you can do some things to maybe fool them or, you know, cause them to hold the ball a little bit long, much like the Ottawa defense will do against Mason. But, you know, I'm with you. If if you're the coach standing on the step, if you're, if you're Coach Dickinson and you're looking at a game and you're, you're halfway through the first half and and he's taken some hits and he's not seeing the field and you're you're feeling like he just isn't, is, doesn't have his best stuff, then, then why can't you have him watch for a couple of series without damaging his, his uh, psyche too much? I mean, 
just as long as you allow, as you let them know and communicate it, that, look, we've got two good quarterbacks. And back in the day with Burgess and Kent Austin, our entire team were were great with whomever was playing. It, yeah, it but let's talk about this. Let's talk. I want to talk about that. I want to take a break, and I do want to talk about that because that is something that is very interesting, and you don't see it a lot. We saw it twice in my lifetime in Saskatchewan. Worked better the second time. Uh, this is Glenn Suter press coverage in the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back. Our press coverage brought to you by Quality Tire. By the way, I think I forgot to mention this, and I do apologize. Craig Dickinson Show is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. Uh, back just to Coach Dickinson for a second, and I'm not, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm not licking his coaching shoes. I've called him out on the radio, so it's not like I haven't done it before. I, I feel like you know he's he tell you he's made some decisions he'd like back, but in terms of his demeanor, being in this hotbed that is Saskatchewan for football, where all eyes are on him, and you know how social media acts, he is a very level-headed, even-keel guy, which I think is perfect for this situation right now for the Riders, I believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, great to work with, a professional, a football man. You know, it's all there. Right? That's that's um, and, he, and he is a good sort of balance and doesn't let his emotions run away with him. And, and you got to give him a lot of credit for a lot of things. I mean, he brings in Trevor Harris. That was big. They look good with him. I know he got hurt, and that changes things, but... His defense is playing well, well enough to win. He's got to shore up some cover teams, but he's fixed the penalty issue for the most part. It's way better this year. The O-line is much improved from last year. So there's a lot of things that, you know, in the moment we might not focus on all the time because we're trying to fix problems. That's what <laughs> that's what a lot of fans, you know, what happened last week? Let's fix that. Uh, that's the, the, you know, the how what we're discussing but at the end of the day i think he is a good fit and he's on top of it i again you know back to the quarterback idea because you know i remember in the great cup in 89 mm-hmm. um at, at in, a, in a key moment in the game and we were down by 11 points or something early and and i'm not sure if this is complete folklore or if it actually happened or if it was just rumors that have turned into huge stories um but they were going to pull Kent Austin and put Tom Burgess in the game. And, and John Gregory at the time was getting Burgess, you know, letting him know that he was going to get ready to go. And, and Kent Austin came onto the sideline and said, don't you take me out of this game. And then I think right after that, he hit Fairhome on that big, deep yeah. uh, seam route for a touchdown. And that was it. He, it was his game. But who gets credit just, for that? Who gets credit for that, uh, Glenn? That's what I wanted. I want to, who gets credit for that? Is it, does John Gregory get enough credit for managing that? Was there such strong leadership in the locker room? Or was it just, hey, those two guys were professional, Burgess and Austin? Because, you know, Burgess, the Riders don't get to the Grey Cup if Burgess doesn't uh, put on a great game. You guys don't get there if he doesn't put on a great game right. in Edmonton. And then he doesn't get to play in the Grey Cup. But fortunately for him, he goes to Winnipeg next year and wins one. So all's it well that ends well. But who gets credit for keeping that locker room together because I imagine there was Burgess guys and there was Austin guys. 
Well, we we were good with both. They were different personalities and different people by you know you know in a big way. But we we were good as as teammates with both of them playing and and both of them. You know, I'll, I'll answer your question very simply. It's up to them. You know, the two quarterbacks in the in the discussion are the ones that will either divide the room or they will, you know, from little corners of the locker room saying I should be playing or whatever and letting their ego and and their own agenda get in the way. Or they can say, hey, whoever can help us win is going to get the nod, and, and I'll be there to support them either way. I think you're seeing that right now in Vancouver with Dane Evans and uh, Vernon Adams. They have, a, they have that kind of room where they feel like, hey, uh, if, you, if you're down or something goes wrong, I can go in, I'm ready. If not, I'm here to support you. And that's the way we felt about it. And, I, you know, I think the downside to, you know, having Mason Fine – come out for a couple series is coaches will tell you in recent history or past history that they can't, it doesn't allow a quarterback to get into a rhythm. You hear that all the time. And I, and I say, well, wait a minute in our game. And this, this is not a negative thing, but in our game, two and outs happen quite often. And when they do, you're putting your starter back out there and he's not in a rhythm. If he has two or three, two and outs in a row, Mm-hmm. There's no rhythm there. So, you know, he might get into a long drive, and then he has two more two and outs. So you're not – he's not in a – like he gets into a rhythm. I think it's an overused term. He gets into a rhythm for the rest of the game. He's in a rhythm. No, no. He had three good drives, and then there was a lot of not good rhythm in between. So yeah. I, I, think, I think you have to communicate it with your quarterback. And you have to tell them, look, you're both going to help us win. And if, Mason, you're not seeing it, then we're going to go to the bullpen and you're going to start the next week. So don't worry about losing your job or that we're unhappy with you or anything. What we're doing is we're trying to shake it up. Maybe we get something going with a different style of quarterback, a slightly different guy, and and if not, you're back in. So don't worry about it. Yeah, Glenn Suter joining us here for press coverage. Uh, you got to be, as a defensive guy, Glenn, uh, tip of the cap to Jason Shivers and what his team has done defensively the last two weeks. They, I mean, yes, Vernon Adams Jr. got hurt, but the Riders got pressure, and uh, ultimately that's why he got hurt. And then uh, and I think they got four sacks that game, and then they go to Toronto and and basically shut down a juggernaut Argos offense. A tip of the cap to Jason Shivers and what he's done. I'm really interested to see what he's got cooked up for the young uh, Dustin Crum, who stubbed his toe last week against Hamilton. Hamilton, so to speak. Well, he's got more video on him, more more chances yeah. to game yeah. plan against him, and and exactly what he does well, and and you'll see sort of plateaus, and then the question is, can Ottawa continue to evolve with their systems, with his strengths and weaknesses? So, yeah, that's what's great about this game is the chess match. But I'm with you on Chivers, and I'm with you on that defense. When I watched them in BC. I thought, okay, this is this is the upside potential of this rider defense because they were great. There was one drive that went 101 yards with Dane Evans, but other than that, I thought the rider defense, you know, they've played well enough to win for a few weeks in a row here. So, um, you know, there's there's always going to be the odd, you know, adversity that you have to overcome that can affect your team. And, and that, I think, in... Halifax was the big punt return for a TD. Big punt return kind of sidetracked the whole team for a bit. 
And, they, you know, they've got to just say, okay, that was one. They gave up one. Let's go back. And we just got to match match the momentum, grab the momentum back by matching, you know, their their big play with our own. You're a former defensive guy, but you're a professional football player. So I laugh when fans and some media – uh, comment on players like they're experts and you know maybe I could be guilty of that too but it's like we're not qualified I'm not qualified to tell a football guy how to run his team I can comment and have an opinion absolutely but I, I'm not qualified but I want to ask you as a guy that's a Hall of Fame broadcaster playing this league um, are you buying holding or selling Jake Mayer's stock? Hmm. I, I'm holding it I'm holding it. Uh, I think what happened was Jake Mayer replaced in the middle of a season a a Hall of Famer, a guy that is going straight into the Hall of Fame. And when you do that, the expectation is through the roof. When Dave Dickinson said, we're moving on from Bo Levi Mitchell because we've got the next one, the expectation on Jake Mayer is, okay, he's going to play and, and have a record like Bo Levi Mitchell or better to start his career. And he is—he has been a guy that has shown great moments, and a guy that has shown he understands. You know, after this last game in Montreal, you know mm-hmm. what he said immediately in the locker room was, "I didn't play well enough to win. I, yeah. I've got to make the plays down." The, and he took full responsibility for that. So, I think they got a, the right guy. I, you know, I'm—I'm going to hold my stock on Jake Mayer. Um, you know, but I think we have to temper expectation and let him continue to grow into the position. Yeah, good point. Okay, two minutes left to go on the show. I don't know. I don't want to. We've all trashed the Edmonton Elks in terms of, you know, maybe not trash isn't the word, but we've all had scratched our heads with what's going on in Edmonton. They they made some moves or did whatever they did. And now Jarius Jackson's calling the plays. I think they're hamstrung by the cap situation there. But what's what's interesting to me is now. On August the 1st, they announced, or yesterday, that after their bye, there's going to be an open competition for the starting job, and it's not going to involve Taylor Cornelius. It's going to involve uh, Jarrett Deggie and Trey Ford. And that is a head-scratcher to me. We're doing this mid-season? Like, like you said, why did we wait this long? Yeah, that's what I mean about, uh, you know, about this opportunity and what's happening in, in Edmonton is is how... You know, this is the first time I think I've seen in my time in the league a quarterback being given this much opportunity. Maybe the closest is is uh, Nick Arbuckle, who I think has got opportunity after opportunity and just not shown mm-hmm. that he, he, you know, he has that it factor. So, uh, I, you know, Taylor Cornelius is an interesting one because he's a, a physical specimen that can make all the throws and can run. And maybe in a different system and maybe with a different coach, this guy can – change his fortunes. I, I'm not blaming him for all of these losses, but to keep rolling him out and to look at his body language and just see, you know, watching him go out there like he is defeated before he even gets to the huddle. Um, I, I just think this change is way, way overdue. And, you know, the, the biggest reason to really simplify it is how could it be any worse? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and, and, and maybe if Trey Ford runs around and keeps it a one-possession game and plays great sort of Sandlot-style football, and he's a Canadian and he's got a whole bunch of fans really cheering for him for that reason alone, what's wrong with that? Well, isn't that, isn't that what Dustin Crum does? Exactly. 
That's what's possible. Suits, thanks for this, man. Uh, we'll talk to you later in the week. Okay, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Glenn Suter joining us for press coverage. That'll do it for the show. I'll be back with the sports ticker in the 6 o'clock news package. We'll tell you right now, Toronto and Baltimore tied at 3, top of the 4th. This is the sports cage, or was the sports cage, for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries. Thanks to Colson Schultz for operating. Sean Kleisinger and uh, Blaine Weiland will be in the chairs tomorrow because I'm taking three days off. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you in about four minutes. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.